space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the USS Adequate. Our ongoing mission until we are cancelled and replaced by something far superior. To review every Star Trek episode and movie in existence. To seek out new guests and make them very uncomfortable. To boldly go where many other Star Trek related YouTube shows have gone before. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Trekking Up North. I am your host Captain Goodwill and in person this week I am joined by the velour clad Geesian from the planet <laughs> Hong Kong science officer Sinoise. I'm really confused by this because you're leaning slightly forward and you look way bigger than me whereas we are actually no no you're making it worse stay there stay there okay. See, I'm, I'm the big one now, whereas usually it's my head looks massive and you look like this tiny little dot on the screen and I'm like, oh, he's really small and that. But now I'm the tiny one. This, I don't like this. No. And this week <laughs> we, are joined, <laughs> we are joined by a very special guest, Sean Ferrick from the Clone Star podcast, from Trek Culture and from many, many other things that you should be worried about. <laughs> Hello, Sean. <laughs> Your nightmares. I mean, hello, everyone. Oh, my God. How are we getting on? It's just <laughs> wonderful to see you again. Uh, and, you know, I'm glad that it's over Zoom, so the restraining order is still very much in effect. Uh, but, yeah, you are looking wonderful. And, like, look at just there, as if you actually like each other. That's yeah, just that's nice. it. Well, I can't stand him. Well, I think we should explain why we are in person. Um, because, stop laughing, it's not funny. This week, the lovely science officer, Sinoise, is at Mr. Gay. Mr. You. Mr. Gay, your, your badge is the wrong way around. My badge is the wrong way around? Yeah, okay. I don't know what you mean. Look. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it, um, which is absolutely wonderful because basically uh, I've been invited to do press stuff at Mr. Gay Europe and Mr. Gay Great Britain and MX Drag, um, MX Drag Great Britain. And the final is tomorrow when this episode is going out at Annika Gardens. Annika Gardens. We are, we are at the wonderful... Annick Castle. Yeah, we in are in Annick, Annick Castle right in Annick. now. In in Annick. That's a coincidence. It is, isn't it? I, I, isn't, isn't that crazy? That they're like, let's build Annick Castle. And they're like, in you're Annick. not going to believe this, mate. Yeah. But we're in Annick. And he's like... It's unbelievable. And, and as if by magic, if we look over to there, you will see a rainbow... There is genuinely a rainbow. There is a turret with a rainbow coming out of it and a a rather pensive crow. Yes, well, you know. That crow has killed people. Look at it. It, And it'll do it again. It will do do it it again. Never more. (laughs) Never more. Never Never more again. (laughs) (laughs) When will you retire from killing? Never more. A tapping at my window. Like a crow with a chainsaw. (laughs) So you... (laughs) So you've had a busy week. I, I, wow. Like, I, like, because you were meant to be here as well, Sean, doing uh, press coverage. And yeah, it's been a very busy week. We did not expect the competition to be like, I feel tired and I'm not even competing. Like, so what the contestants have had to go through for Mr. Gay Europe this week has been insane. Like, we're talking like 14 hour days, like getting, getting up, having breakfast at like half eight and then finishing at about half 11 at night. It's... The, you know, like the work they have to do. And obviously where my, part of my job has been to get interviews with them, it's been very, very difficult tying them down because yeah. they get like two minutes and I'm just like, I don't want to, 
steal the only two minutes you have for a cigarette break today for an interview. You know? But then it all changed when you got the stick. When I got the stick. No, it wasn't. It was, it was one of those like old-fashioned... like. Uh, people over there. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was one of those... Um, oh, what is it? The walking sticks from a Victorian theatres. Yes. Where they just pull them in from the side and just yeah. sort of grab them around the neck and pull them off. But yeah, but um, yeah. So aside from pulling off gay guys this week, uh, I've been up to lots of things. Uh, yes. How dare you face palm? How dare I... Fizz. 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 Disgusting! Disgusting! Absolutely disgusting! Yeah. Uh, well, how's your week been? Um, I've also been pulling off um, work. Um, oh, so yes, our um, work. Yes, our work. <laughs> no, it's 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 been a it's it's been an okay week. Um, Slightly hungover from last week's episode. I don't know if anyone paid attention to last week's. I was rather drunk on martinis by the end of it. <laughs> we didn't um, notice. <laughs> we didn't notice. Oh. I wasn't actually that drunk. I'm just naturally crazy. So yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's been a good week. I've journeyed all the way up um, from the the ghettos of Redcar to Annick Castle, where I'm like, oh, these are civilized people. They have teeth, and yeah. um, they've got a costa. They've got a. They've got a costa. Yes. Yeah. We have a Costa, but more importantly, they have a Starbucks. Their one's not on fire. No, but they have a Starbucks. Oh. That is not on fire. Well, you can't, well, you can't say the coffee's cold. Yeah, no, that's it. Just, like, going... Every roof, uh, every roof, every cloud. What? Anyway. Every, every cloud is full of coffee. I know this. Oh, God, I'm um, so tired. How's your week been, Sean? <laughs> well, my week, uh, you're right. I was originally supposed to be sat right beside you at the moment. And uh, unfortunately, I am, I am sat looking through a Zoom window at you. Uh, you may put those tongues away. <laughs> now listen. You'd be right here. I'd be like, you're ah. not delivering. Don't okay. tease me with things you're not delivering. No, 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 no. I, hey, I, you're I, calling I, for Jamaharon. You're the one calling for Jamaharon. You know we can. You're the exactly. one with the mustache. Yeah, you seek Jamaharon. Oh. oh. Do I, want? I I was um, theorizing last week that like we don't know that it's sex. What if it's like table tennis or something, and it's like something really innocent that people are just pay into. Imagine it was. It was like, do you seek? <laughs> yeah, I do. Walk through, and it's in the name of the Father and the Son. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, oh God, it's, it's a rising, it's a rising Jehovah's Witness. But instead of coming to your home, they come to your deck chair. <laughs> do you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jamaharon? Yeah. <laughs> have you found Hogan? <laughs> I love that it's called Hogan. You're like, but you want them to come closer. <laughs> um. So yes, yeah, I continue. Uh, yes, it's, it's it's been good. Thank you very much. Yes, through for unfortunately a couple of things came up, so I'm I'm talking to you through the Zoom window. But I've been still helping out. So you have very nicely been sending me video footage, which I've been editing, putting out on socials. Um, and so if the if the edits are fun, I hope you're all enjoying them. If they're dreadful, I can only work with the footage I'm sent. I mean, what? I mean, I really, see? what I have to work with. <laughs> Oh, just, just, uh, it's actually been really good. So, yeah. <laughs> the the, the, the Tuesday footage, Lilla Dory, that was amazing. Like, uh, sorry to go off on one, but Anak Gardens has a place called Lilla Dory that's like a, uh, like a Disneyland for kids. And it just opened up like this year, I think. And it is just the most amazing thing in the entire world. It's like a micro Disneyland. And I, I went there today. I went there today because I was literally like, oh, I have some free time. I can go anywhere. All the contestants are busy. I can go anywhere I want. And I was literally just like, I'm going to go to the Lilladori again and get like overpriced hot dogs and just sit there and enjoy the atmosphere. It was crazy. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, I will never underpay for a hot dog. 
yeah. Oh, that's that is that is absolutely a soundbite that's going to come back to haunt me. But yeah, no. <laughs> but looks, what we learned from Kirk, fun. what we learned from Kirk in season two, get two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get two of the. Listen, <laughs> I really like that episode, but two of the driest, drabest looking. Everyone said that. There were. Yeah. Like, you know, these are so good. I know. You get a glass of water or something ah. with it. I think he got dry hot dogs and a glass of Chateau Picard with it. But, oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, no. Mediocre. How can we take that yeah. and make it worse? How, what, what, what we did learn from when we did the review, because Paul, who uh, was the, the guest host, hi, yeah. Paul, the rim, Paul's the rim. <laughs> he's, not, he's not lurking over I'm us looking at either. you. I'm, not, I'm looking you at you. You Paul Wesley as your guest host. No. <laughs> Just regular. That would have been amazing. Like, did you like the episode, folks? Yep. <laughs> yeah, for Palashan. Talk to us about your hot dog. <laughs> Talk, and tell your... us about your hot dog. Um, but no, um, Phil. Paul, who is the cult leader of uh, Nerdy Up North, he, um, he's visited Toronto and he said, ah, it looks dry because the sauce is actually underneath the sausage. It's underneath the sausage. Like stealth, they, stealth they, sauce. Yes, they plant the seed and then lay the long... Oh God! They, yes. This is not. So it's going actually well. underneath. So there is a there is a bun sauce meat ratio. But like, did they did they let them know that in advance? Because that sounds like just a consent minefield. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Where do you want the sauce on your sausage? Visible, and I'd, be, I'd like to sign the form. <laughs> to be fair, it actually sounds quite good though, because like the hot dog I had today, like all the sauce kind of, I put the sauce on, and then it just promptly came off. And I was like, well, that was pointless, you know? So maybe putting it underneath is probably good, maybe? I don't know. We'll give it a go. Everyone in the chat, do you want your sauce on top or your sauce in the middle? <laughs> Let us know. If, you, if you're watching These this These are the back, important questions. Yeah. Demonetized. <laughs> we were monetized. Comment below <laughs> where you like the sauce on your meaty hot dog. Anyway, guys, speaking of... I love that I, I'm the gay one at a at a competition called Mr. Gay, and I'm not the one making meat gags. I'm Ooh, concerned. You're making this. you're making meat gags. Meat gags. Meat Hello. gag. I meat gag. So, so we're here guys. to talk about <laughs> Star Trek: Strange New World season two, which on very We are we are going to do a nice little <laughs> season two review. Sean's going to disconnect the call shortly. Um, we're going to do not a nice. Oh no 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 no! The wilder no. the better. <laughs> I love how we were like, we're going to be so professional when Mark Cartier's on again. We weren't. <laughs> now we're like, oh, we're going to be so professional when Sean's on. Mm, maybe, maybe not doing that. But I think by now they understand us. Yeah, I think now they know what. They, yeah. Technically, it's their fault. They've seen yeah. our records. Yeah. Um, so we are here to review season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds as a whole because we've done episode by episode, but I think just talking about how good this season has been as a whole... It, it, it warrants an entire episode mm-hmm. uh, by itself. And wow, like we went into this season knowing that it will be good. Um, but by all accounts, it has blew me away mm. this, this, this season uh, from start to finish. Um, there were some weak episodes or episodes. I don't even know I if there like, I, I don't even know if there were. Like, you know, oh, this I thing where you know when something's so good that you're just like, there wasn't anything I disliked. It was just like, oh, well, that wasn't quite as good. It was like with Picard. Like with Picard season three, where it was like, you know, the finale and the, 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 the Space Museum one. Oh, Vox. Yeah. Like, they're the ones where I just went, 
okay, they're slightly weaker because the fan service is great, but the actual plot and the actual thing is a bit like awkward. How dare you? I cried. But no, no, that's it. But it's the, the idea of going, yes, cool fan service, but you know, it's not as strong as the other ones. But you know, when you're just going, oh, that was only a ninety percent rather than one hundred and twenty. You're just like, yeah. actually, when that is actual shit out there, you're just like, okay. But yeah. that, that's what this has been like. I haven't, I have not disliked a single episode this season, and I felt really. I think I was saying last week about the. A friend of mine is basically, he kind of was watching it, then got busy, and then didn't watch the rest of the season. And the episode he stopped on was uh, the one where Spock becomes human. Is it uh, Lost in Translation? Charades. Charades, Charades. yeah. He he stopped on Charades, and I was like, you have to start. Like, it is literally just clean sailing for the rest of the series of some of the best Trek we've seen in fucking years. And he watched them, and he was like, oh my god, (laughs) this was amazing. It's it's been very... um, because I, I I have a friend who is is very not critical of of new Trek, mm. uh, but is has high standards, and he thought uh, season three of Picard was formulaic, and he was a bit disappointed at it. Mm. So he came to me and he was like, "I'm going to start season two of Strange New Worlds," and I thought, "Oh, he's he's just going to tear it apart." Mm. And he came back to me and he's like, "I am three episodes in, and I am already blown away by how good this season has been," and mm. I'm like. You've got seven more to go. Yeah. And he, he came back to me about three days later and he binged it and he went, holy shit, this is probably the best Star Trek I have seen in 25 yeah. years. And I, and I'm you like, know what I was thinking about? So just on Picard and Strange New Worlds, right? So very generally speaking, because this, but Picard season three was for older fans. Yeah. Strange New Worlds season two is for the newer fans. Mm. Yes. Now that's obviously... There is so much time back into like legacy. You've got the whole stuff of to bring. You've got so many, and obviously you've got Lower Decks as well. But that's what I think. I think there's an energy and this sort of confidence hmm. in season two of Strange New Worlds, which is I was I was having this conversation the other day. Um, I think season one came out the gate strong, hmm. um, and I. I loved A Quality of Mercy. I thought it was a really gutsy move to take one of the most iconic episodes of yeah. the original series mm. and be like, right, we're doing our own spin on it. So it's like, this could have fallen on its arse, and thankfully it didn't. And then that's what I got, like that energy I think they took into season two of Strange New mm. Worlds. Star Trek Picard's third season, which I agree with the rest of the world, basically, that it's the best season of Picard by far. Mm. And because it did that, it went let's go and do the nostalgia mine like there is a good story there but it was like right you, you, we know what the people want we want to see we want to see the starships we want to see the crew back together we yeah. want to see guest stars and it did everything and i think it did it very very well um strange new worlds relied less heavily on nostalgia mm. uh it still tied it in very nicely you have mm. i mean we'll, we'll we'll break it down and we'll talk about it episode by episode obviously tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow mm. I think walks that nice balance of though there's huge historical moments going on, yeah. but also all of this is new. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty, I thought Strange Year World Season 2 is against some of the best, like, <coughs> consider. <coughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> He's gone ill with that. Like, Strange Year World Season 2 are like poisoning the air. So, um, <laughs> I think it's some of the most consistently strong track we've had in a very long time. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and it feels strange that it's a season two that does that. Like, yes. it does feel like, because what you were saying about like season one being like a warm up, because I, I got, I remember when we were talking about it, like I got annoyed that they cleared up plot lines far too soon. Like on Benga's daughter, where it was literally like, oh cool, this is a thing that could hang over it for series, like whole seasons, and then come back. Or like Una's sort of like, um, you know, like like Una's uh, actual uh, race and stuff. Yeah, being augmented. That, that stuff that you could have brought back two seasons later or whatever. And it felt like it was like, no, we have to do this immediately because we don't know if we're going to get a season two. Yeah, and, and it feels a shame that you're just like, oh shit, and Menga's daughter, that should have been on in the air for a long time. But with, with season two, <clears> it's, <throat> it's sort of, they knew early-ish on that they were getting a season three. Yeah. So you can tell that there's sort of like, right, let's just off the throttle a bit and let's pace it a little bit yeah. and i mean when was the last time I, i'm gonna say enterprise where we had a to be continued <laughs> star trek finale although yep. people get really annoyed because everyone's got really annoyed with this one where they're like but i need more damn it you know it comes well, up and you're like you just if, had this amazing episode and there's a to be continued and you're like damn it if we need more we need the studios and mm. the executives to sit down with SAG-AFTRA and WGA and pay your goddamn writers and actors fairly. Because we will have to wait until possibly 2025, if nothing's done, at least for season three of Strange New Worlds. And if we we put this in context, okay, that's two more years. Mm -hmm. What daddy powers is Anson Mountain going to have by then? I don't too think much. we're ready for it. Too I much. don't think even two years of like constant training montage is going to make us ready for his daddy powers. How many grays is he going to have by oh, then? Oh, God, don't. Don't. That man can turn uh, me. Like, I'm moist. where he takes his top off and it's just great. Like chest <laughs> hair, shoulder great. hair, back hair, everything is just, just great. Uh, Hashtag silver. There was, there, 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 there was something recently, it was, it was an event he was at and I think it possibly was Star Trek Las Vegas and someone started the question basically phrasing it you know well you know your daddy pike just fell flat wow he has this presence about him that when i because when i saw him in person he he just has this natural charisma that when you're with him you're just like "Ah." (laughs) and you melt because he's just so lovely he's so nice but god damn that hair yeah. But he's he's just got this natural likability um, about him, and you know he takes it all in his stride because he himself is a is a is a tricky. Yeah. Um, and I remember when he was talking about when they recorded the opening monologue for Strange New Worlds that the, it took them eight hours to do it because he said I want to do it right. Yeah, yeah. And, and they recorded it time and time again because he's like this is this is a, a, a life Bloody dream yeah. for me to do this, and he, he takes it in his stride. And at Star Trek Las Vegas. He walks around, obviously he's from Tennessee, being a country boy, he had the cowboy belt buckle, but the belt buckle was uh, Jeffrey Hunter as Christopher Pike. So it was Pike wearing Pike at Star Trek Las Vegas. Everyone who got a photo got two Pikes. Dual Pikeage. Dual Pikeage, yes. For the the price of one. And he he just, he loves... Uh, Star Trek and it comes through and it, it, it just I, 
I, I can't. I, I, I think I think it's the fact of like very much how passionate the actors are. Yeah. Like you can tell that this is something like Terry Vitalis. You can tell that this is something made by people who love Trek and mm. that the actors appreciate Trek. And all of the actors that they've spoken to and they've done interviews with who aren't that familiar with Trek are like, I kind of love this now. Like when they were speaking to uh, Carol, who plays uh, Pellier. Carol Kane. Carol Kane. Kane. I was thinking of Carol Kane, and I'm like, that's a singer. <laughs> you know, but uh, Carol Kane. Um, yeah, and, and she was like, oh, I've never really paid any attention to track, but now I really want to because seeing how in depth, how involved everyone is and how much there is to everything. And it's kind of awesome that it's like making Trekkies out of the actors as well as the fans. <laughs> well, I mean, even in a retrospective, if you look at um, the, the Delta Flyers podcast and the mm. Shuttle Pod show, that you know, you've got Garrett Wong, Robert Duncan. Yeah. Uh, Don Keaton and Connor, they are going back and, and re-watching it and they're going, I get it. I, un-, you know, mm. you know, they, they understand why people love it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's when Dominic Keaton is just like, oh yeah, I think I've watched a couple of episodes of that. And you're like, it's seven seasons long. Yeah. You know, it's just the idea you can't, he's like, oh, well, I, I just watched an episode of DS9 yesterday. Yeah. And it's just like, maybe just don't say that. But, um, the season two, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Sean. Where it's like season one, they took risks, and a lot of people were like, "How?" Um, the the finale for season one, where they were like, "Are they going to pull it off? Are they going to do it?" And they did. And coming into season two, we knew that there was going to be a lower decks crossover, and the first thing was like, "How are they going to pull it off? Yeah. And will they be able to pull it off?" And there was always that anxiety. And then we got the episode, and we were like, "Yeah, they well, did it, and they did it." Superbly. Well, I've said, I've said, sorry, I've said this in every single episode while we've been talking about season two, but it's the fact of it's very rare. I'm incredibly cynical in the Netflix age that people are going to do good writing or that things are going to succeed or that movie, like, you know, you hear that there's a new Resident Evil movie coming out and you're like, oh, maybe it won't be terrible. You know, like, you're not going at it from a place of optimism. And it's kind of like, oh, they're going to remake Silent Hill 2. Oh, that's going to be... Uh, yeah, but <laughs> just like, oh, I'm sure they'll carry that well. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, and it's by the team that did that game. Uh, okay, but it's the fact of... But with Strange New Worlds, like season two, I, I hit a point where I was just like, yeah, they're going to smash the musical, and I had no doubt. Like, you know, the idea of you just... You get such confidence from it, because you're just like, you managed to reinvent the Gorn. Like, you, you managed to make something that, like, on screen is literally a man in a rubber suit throwing a plastic boulder. You know, like, you know, it's like a paper mache it boulder. It was real. <laughs> it was real to me but um you know and then made them into this terrifying new thing like like reinvented it like rather than basically going like oh well we'll just create a new race out of nothing that's never been mentioned before they just went no we're going to take something that exists like to criticize enterprise fucking zindi you know like when there's so many races you could have picked i know I'm, I'm saying it. I will, I will say it to Dominic Keating. I've I will left say the it, frame. I will say it to his face. But, um, yeah, but... I very dare you. <laughs> but I absolutely love how I just have so much faith in this show and the fact of, like, they smashed the Lower Decks crossover, they smashed the, uh, the, the musical episode, the finale is absolutely amazing and does exactly what a finale wants, which basically is like, hey, give us a season three. Have you just mentioned faith? 
after slagging off Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah, that's because I've got... Fate of the heart. That's Russell Watson coming after you. No one's gonna bend no or break me. Best theme tune Wait, ever. What's this, what's this email with the, uh, uh, the subject line, cease and desist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just says, play stop. Best theme tune ever, fight me. So we'll get into um, the episode. I mean, Season one and two or season three and four? Season one and two. One and two. Yeah. I don't know why they did When the someone weird... comes in with a tambourine <laughs> to enhance a song, no. In the Zindi in the season Z- as yeah. well. Yeah. They basically end season two with Star Trek 9-11. I think, Joe, what this is missing, tambourine. Yeah, yeah that's it. It's like eight million people uh, are dead. It's been a long road. <laughs> Getting from, Getting from here. here to here. I mean, Riker's <laughs> jazz version was more fitting. For, for season three, Ron, Ron the bassist uh, really laying it on thick yeah. as well as he's. And I'm I think he needed like a sort of seventy synth pop kind of thing, you know, like the sort of yeah, that would have been no terrible. No. But slap bass, that's what slap, it was. Basically. Yes, slap bass. Slap yeah. it. Slap just slap whoever I, can pull season I, two and three. I don't even uh, know where we're going three, with four. this. <laughs> so the first oh, episode oh, oh we lost things quite a while <laughs> yeah, right. okay, yeah. we're not even drinking martinis hello chat I hope you're enjoying this yeah. so the first episode of season 2 the broken circle mm. uh, at the time um, we, when we were discussing episode 2 we, we thought that this should have been the second episode mm. um, yep. because it was very season 1 left on a cliffhanger that Una was arrested uh, mm. for being a Lyrian and we were like, oh, how are they going to get out of this? And then we got the summary and it was sort of like, yep, now we're going to go to this planet and deal with the dilithium yeah. uh, mafia, shall we call them. You know, the, the duranium. Yeah. The, um, so it was... <laughs> it's not that kind of duranium. Duranium. And it's, um, it, it, it felt, I think, out of, out of the ten episodes... For me, there are two weak episodes. Mm. All good, but two weak ones. And this is one of them. Mm. Where it's... If it was further in, mm. it would have been fine. But for an opening uh, episode... Mm, I I kind of disagree. Like I, I think this was the beginning of a season that starts with a lot of brave choices. And the idea of... Like, after we've had, like, Discovery, which is basically everything hinges around a central character, mm-hmm. this is basically just going, hey, we don't even need Pike, which is exactly what Trek should be. Like, the Ferengi episodes of DS9, where it just goes, hey, Cisco is literally a cameo, and that's, you know, all we need. The, the idea of having an opening to a, seri- a season that just goes, yeah, Pike's away. And then, like, you know, and then focusing on Spock and focusing on the rest of the crew, introducing Pellier. And I thought it was important because it kind of set the stage a little bit, this one. But it's also really good from the writers because, obviously, Anson Mount's wife gave birth to mm. their first child. So he is literally a daddy. And it's... it's but it, it's the way that the writers... I mean, we, we'll get it with Melissa Navia further on in season two when, you know, her husband mm. unfortunately passed away. And they, they had to work around Melissa Navia having mm. time away, time to grieve. And a lot of people are like, where's the Ortegas episode? And you sort of understand why there wasn't a dedicated Ortegas episode mm. because she needed that time away. Yeah. We may get it in season three, you know, for, by all accounts, but to, to open it with this where it's like, you know, my wife's gave birth, the way they written it was brilliant and it yeah. did help emphasise the rest of the crew. And this is why 
Strange New Worlds really worked for me because Star Trek has always been about an ensemble cast. Mm. And this one is so goddamn strong that we we are so enamored with each and every one of these yeah. people after one season, 10 episodes. Yeah. That's it. It, 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 it. It's this idea of you just want to see more of them. And like, this is the thing where like we're talking about how annoying it is that we didn't have an, get an Ortegas episode. And you're like, that's what Trek's all about. Like, it's that whole thing where you just go, oh my God, it's a Kira episode. Or, oh my God, it's a Riker episode. You know, and you just go like... Riker. Riker. We'll get to that. But um, yeah, and, and I, I think this is really good. And obviously, like, the way it introduced new characters, like, the buzz from Pellier getting introduced was amazing. Like, that's all anyone was talking about, was just like, oh, this is amazing. She was a scene stealer in this episode, though. She, she really was. I like, think she's been a scene stealer in every scene she's been in. I like and this I think shit. I'm going to stay around. Yeah, they, they, okay. they've kind of managed it by just not having her in very much. Like, where yeah. they've just gone, okay, she's yeah. just going to make everything really difficult if we have her stealing I, every I scene. I think with, with, with Pellier, though because she is a uh, lanthanite mm. there was all the way through season two there was star trek enterprise undertones all the way through from episode one all the way to ten because you saw the nxo one you saw the phoenix and everything mm. like that the one thing i wanted was just just want just for her for pelia to go ah yes president archer yes i <laughs> i knocked boots yeah. Just, do you know what I mean? Just because she would have known Captain Archer, she yeah. would have no, she would have been around at that well, time. I, I, just... think, I think the great thing that, as we're seeing from Pellier that if we're out this season, is the fact is she she doesn't give information like willingly. She just kind of oh, like if someone scary. mentions like, "Oh, were you there?" She's like, "Oh yeah, of course I was there." Like I'm sure if someone asked if she knew Captain Archer, she'd say it. But yeah. otherwise, she's just like, "No, no, no, these artworks, just ignore them." You know, it's like you know, oh, we don't know them; they're they're all fakes. So. What did you think of this episode, Sean? I mean, obviously, we, we, we see the reviews on what culture and everything like that, but... It's... Hey, it's, uh, that's, and the, the one thing where my mind hasn't changed is I don't think it should have been the season opener. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a perfectly grand, and better than grand even, mid-season episode. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I know that sounds like a disparaging remark. It, it isn't. I just think you need to have something a little bit extra for your season opener and your season closer. Yeah. Um, and for me, this one was a bit kind of like, okie dokie. Um, when we knew the whole thing was, we were just waiting for Ad Aspera, for Aspera. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I think should have really been the season opener anyway. Mm. But, well, actually, it should have been for a couple of reasons. One is because Una's in every single trailer for season two serving on the Enterprise. There was yeah. never any question about <laughs> how the uh, trial was going to go. Um, so that was kind of like, so I, I remember vividly, I remember watching it being like, I feel I'm doing this episode a disservice because I'm going, I need to get to the Una story. Yeah. yeah. But um, did you not find that that was a problem with season three of Picard, where you were just going, "When's the? What is he? When's this reveal coming? When are we going to see the Enterprise?" You know, it very much felt like that. Whereas I didn't feel that as strongly in this, where obviously we did very much want the trial, we did want to get to it, but we kind of it was always foreshadowed. Like even in the in a broken circle, it was like, "Hey, Pike is away doing things for that." And, you know, so it, it wasn't like they were ignoring it. They were just going, okay, just a bit longer, you know? I think the difference between the two is Picard, that season three, that's a 10-hour movie. 
Yes. Mm. So, like, if we sit down now, as we as Trekkies will, you know, <laughs> sit down and hit play on episode one. And we'll it's the new Lord of the Rings. Finish, yeah. It's the new extended Lord of the Rings challenge. Can you it imagine is, the yeah. uncut season three of Picard? Bloody hell. That would be amazing. That's just I imagine Terry you... Metalis gets his way, that'd be like seven seasons. Well, the, the, release the, the, the Metalis problem is, cut. The problem is it's exactly the same, but then the poker game at the end lasts nine hours. <laughs> With the camera just... <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just getting gradually it's, it's, closer it's in. It's twice the length. It's like, it's, like it's, it's twice the length. Yes, but is it twice the content? Or is it just that extra... We were laughing. Me and my best mate Ian, we had it where um, we the the special edition blu-ray of um the last emperor the movie came out like a couple of weeks ago and we were, and it's like oh it's got like 30 minutes of extra footage and we were literally going is it just going to be the scene where he's pissing in the bucket but just extend it for like 30 minutes or something and i was just like that would be the perfect way to troll people just like here's the director's cut and all you've done is taken an uncomfortable scene and then just well, that's what we considered for because we're taking a week off next week um, mm. because we, we are tired. I'm in a field. You're in a field. Um, and I, I just thought, should we just have uh, an hour and a half podcast of uh, Sonoy's just doing the dance from Insurrection that Picard does to Samba as a gif? <laughs> so it's just 90 minutes of just this. Still as a premiere, though. As a Still premiere. Still yeah, as a premiere yeah. with a live Full chat. Full of promos and everything like that, yeah. Um, but no, but yeah, I, I I agree with you, Sean. It, that this is this was a mid-season episode. Mm. It was it was and a good one. And a good one. Mm. It, like this is what you said that there are no bad episodes. Yeah. If if it's like nine out of ten, when the rest of them are ten out of ten, it's it's, but it's that, amazing. That's it. When you look at other shows and you're just like, that was a two. Be ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> but then we get episode two, Ad Astra Per Spera, where. Holy we went on shit. about this for three hours. We didn't did. We. we I Something think this is one nuts. of our longest episodes because Trek courtroom episodes are amazing because this is Star Trek at its core. This mm. is let's tackle these issues and fundamental uh, beliefs head on. Yeah. And this was just to this day. This is probably one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek as a whole. I, have, you, have you seen the meme though? I think Data on Facebook posted it and the, the meme is obviously it's got like, you know, like it's got the, the two pictures and it's got like a pe- a, people looking bored and it says like, oh, Trek fans when there's like a spaceship battle and then the one where yeah. everyone's cheering and it's like courtroom drama. And yeah. it's so true though. Like we talked about this forever because like this is the episode of the ser- series that made me cry because I was just like, this is so powerful. It is so incredibly well done. And it's the epitome of Trek where we just go, it has a guest character who steals the fucking show, who like literally comes in and you're just like, she is amazing. You know, that actress is like absolutely fucking phenomenal. Blew me away. Really blew me away. The the performance, um, it was was so passionate Mm. and it it came through and it, it just... The way that it, it, it just highlighted that even in the 23rd century, there I'm is... I'm glad you know that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, what time am I on? 20, <laughs> 2260. Even in the 23rd century, you know, prejudice still exists in some way or another. Yeah. And, the, you know, this, this organisation, this, this civilization that, that preaches 
equality, diversity, inclusivity still is prejudiced to someone who th they were changed at birth. They yeah. did not have a choice in the matter. It was before they were born. And it's like you, oh, they, they can't they can't serve in Starfleet. They can't be a Federation yeah. member because of this. And it's it, the way that they tackle this. But it, it, the thing, what I said on the show that I felt was the most important thing about it is what Trek does is it... It tackles the subjects indirectly. So it doesn't go, we're going to have an episode about homophobia. We're not going to have an episode about racism. We're not going to have an episode about transphobia. We are going to have an episode about a parallel subject that exists in this universe, but where the people, the bigots watching it, will hopefully go, oh, hang on. You know, like where they'll just be like, oh, wait, that parallels directly to this. And it, and that's exactly what Trek does well, you know, rather than because obviously a lot of the bias that we have nowadays are gone in Trek, but then other ones exist. Mm. And the fact the way that this did it so wonderfully of just literally like, you know, this is like, uh, you know, equivalent of like, you know, don't ask, don't tell kind of thing where it's the fact of going, hang on. She's been in the military for fucking years. She's done incredibly well. She is like, you know, she's the poster girl, as we find out later for like Starfleet. And then they're just going, oh, yeah, but this personal bit about yourself that you couldn't do anything about, ooh, that kind of changes everything. You're like, but does it? Does that change her service record? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what gay people had to go through. That's exactly, and that's exactly what, like, trans people are having now, where they're kind of coming out as trans, and it's like, oh, but can you do your job properly anymore? And it's like, well, I was, you know, and it's, it's crazy. Sorry, there's, an, there, there's a challenge as well that this, well, Stranger Worlds as a whole has is that they're tackling this but we know that there can't be a satisfactory resolution mm. because of what's gone before because we know that as recently as Star Trek Prodigy Dal had to get special permission mm -hmm. you know Admiral Janeway had to go and make a case for him because he's genetically engineered and that's where that's where it's it's it, one of its it's, it's, it's a challenge it's the strength and not a weakness, but it's a strength and, a, and an eyebrow raise mm -hmm. of, of doing it this early in Trek history, which is, you know going in, so this is one thing, like you know going into the season, Una's going to get back in the Enterprise, mm. and it's going to be by a technicality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, and this is, probably, this is probably my biggest, the harshest thing I'll say about the episode is that, I think they didn't make a big enough deal of the fact she's only back via a technicality. Yeah. Because it was, obviously it was, you know, there was this swelling of happiness at the ending. Mm. Um, I thought Utide did an amazing job as Nira. Um, like, all of that, fantastic. Loved all of that. But it was that, that message of she asked for asylum, Starfleet granted it. I think that that got a little buried hmm. when that could have been your big message. It's like, look, Star Trek, which is at this point, the 20, 23rd century, as you say, this is this is you uh, pretty much as utopian as it gets. It'll get a bit more utopian around the 2350s and 60s, and then we start to slide right back. <laughs> well, we, um, we go darker again. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Everything's great. Everything's great. What's that thing in the Denorius belt? Oh, crap. Um, <laughs> great uniforms, low lighting. What? <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, I feel this way. So, but the monster maroon. The, the, 
this kind of as you're 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 entering that period of as good as it gets, mm. right? Yeah. And I think this idea, like they had an idea to be like everyone going Starfleet, yeah, we helped, we you know, we granted asylum, and then just to have, even if it was just a Pike and Una scene of, I'm sorry we didn't get the answer you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm sorry we didn't get, because you can't. You, you can't say, oh, all people who are genetically engineered can get a Starfleet because we know that they can't. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't feel that, right, here's my yeah, big thing about season two. For all of the discussion of Khan, of Noonie and Singh, of genetically engineered people and augmented people, I don't think there was quite that through line. Hmm. I think it was touched on. And, you know, there were some amazing scenes. Like, when we get to talking about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, yeah. I think it's so, 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 so good. Um, but, like, I really love this episode. And I think as a standalone episode, it's really, really good. I think in the overall history of Star Trek, it was setting itself up with that massive barrier that we knew it wasn't going to get past. <laughs> and it. then I, I, I feel like it was kind of... As I say, make a bigger point of the fact that we're and again, make it really awkward. Make it like, oh, Starfleet's we're making an exception for you, Una. You're <laughs> the god. So the bit where she's the poster child, and again, that's what twenty three eighties. So that's all right. It's after Bashir, but it's before Dal. It's almost yeah. like guilt, isn't it? It's it's you know that the, the, they made Una the poster girl for Starfleet recruitment. But it feels like we are doing this out of guilt and, and sort of pity. I can't explain. I don't think I don't think it's a pity thing. I think it's just this idea of the art, maybe not irony, but the fact of that they can go. This is the best of the best. This is the best of the best. Who and got then, in on a technicality? Yeah, and, and they're yeah. like, oh, but we treat them like like for instance with the Mister Gay uh, with the Mister Gay Europe. We went to Beamish uh, Park and Museum um, on Tuesday. And the main area we went to is the 1950s area, where they have a whole amazing place where all the like buildings and stuff are decorated for the 1950s. And going there as a gay contingent, and then um, and then obviously 1950s being gay in the 1950s, and then having them kind of acknowledge like stuff like oh the amazing thing that Alan Turing did for the world, and you know the Enigma machine and. Uh, all of like you know like uh, basically allowing us to have computers nowadays from the groundwork that him and his team set up and then ha them also having to acknowledge oh yeah but it was also the decade that he killed himself because we chemically castrated him for being gay despite all of his actual service yeah. you know in the military and you're just sitting there being like okay that seems a bit odd that you're willing to be like oh he's one of the greatest Brits to ever exist but yeah he kind of did kill himself because of us uh, you know and it's that it, it's the same thing with Uno where it's the fact that they want the kind of hey this is the best of the best and we want to put them on the poster but at the same time they're not willing to acknowledge oh yeah yeah but we won't fully accept them like you know we won't actually truly believe that you know I'm sure that I mean there, there is like so it's the 2380s, we've, we've had Bashir, and so how long has she been the poster girl? Can you imagine, I mean, I, like, mm. if Dal was like, or... I bet or, Bashir, or Bashir would be on the poster like, if yeah, he got his legs but, but if, hmm, but if... He would as well. You know, the argument would be, why well, I'm not allowed 
but the literal post to go for Starfleet was. But that's, that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's the fact of, like, life is all about exceptions, where you just go, mm. oh, why can this person do that? Oh, because he's rich. Oh, okay, you know. Mm. And it's that whole thing of just being like, oh, well, they get agreed. And it's the bringing it back to the community, like you were saying, Sean, where it's the idea of just being like, well, when is it going to be that any augmented person can be in Starfleet? Like, that doesn't necessarily come from an exception. But I do feel, though, like, to be honest, I do think they're kind of hampered with strange new worlds in the capacity of going we know that they don't legalize you know like genetic you know augments for in all of the track history that we know and it's the idea of just being like yeah they kind of were painted in a corner where they couldn't just be like we can't really well, have this because we need to rescind it later but, and then because otherwise Bashir doesn't make sense that's the curse of prequels yeah where yeah. you know i mean this is why discovery went into the 31st century so there was no um there, there was no boundaries for them mm. and it's sort of like Strange New Worlds, yes, they are brilliant, but also, yeah, like, we know what happens to Bashir. We, we know what happens yeah. to Dahl in, in Prodigy, hashtag save Star Trek Prodigy. Mm. And it's it's sort of, it's predicting, like, you know what's going to happen. And it's, it's the Pike, it's the Pike um, paradox. Mm. We know what's going to happen at the end of it. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, I, I agree with you, Sean, where it's like, they got her she got away she well she got off with it or she 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 got into starfleet on a technicality she got back into starfleet on that technicality and yeah they should have made uh they should have made more of a song and dance about that. yeah i mean to be fair though they can happily bring it back like it's the idea of this could be material for future seasons where they just go hey this isn't resolved yet like it's not a tight little package you know because it's this, the fact of yeah and, and I like that. Like I was complaining about Umbengo. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. well, like I was complaining about Umbengo, where they felt like they had to resolve that quickly just in case they didn't get another series. And with this one, it's like they kind of left themselves a couple of breadcrumbs to be like, oh, we could bring that back. You know, but yeah, um, we should move on to the next episode because we're never going to get through Well, that I mean, was. tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow. Well, nothing really happens Which in that was one. Should we skip that one? I, I don't think Sean likes it. Dreadful episode. Awful. Driest <laughs> hot dogs in Star I'm, Trek I'm history. so happy that we got a LAN episode. Like, I'm... I. It, this is the weird thing I love all the characters in Strange New Worlds like there's not a, like I remember when we first started and I wasn't sure about Umbenga I thought Umbenga's voice like grated on me a little bit and I was a bit like oh he's a bit dry and stuff and I absolutely adore him now and Lan was one where I was just a bit like oh it's a, it's a choice and now I'm just like yeah she's amazing and to get a whole episode like, like this is what we're talking about the ensemble cast this basically has none of the other cast in. It's no. basically just Lan, yeah. and it's phenomenal. <laughs> but even with, even, you know, even with Paul Wesley as Kirk, you've, mm. you've got Captain Kirk, not a shadow on, uh, on Laan. Yeah. And Christine Chong's mm-hmm. performance, it's like, it's, it's, I, I absolutely, I adore this episode. I, I really adore this episode, how the relationship between Laan and Kirk play out, because again, with, with prequels, you know it's not going to, hmm. you know, it, it's it's a different Kirk, obviously, from a different reality. But, again, you know it's not going to pan out because we never hear of Laan again. <laughs> but the way that they, they, they built this relationship up and, and you see Laan's boundaries that she is, you know, th- these walls that she has erected yeah. around herself to stop herself being compromised emotionally and just being this, you know, I don't let anyone in and just watching it 
slowly get broken down all the way yeah. through the episode to you know to the point where Kirk dies. Spoilers. Spoilers. <gasps> but but not really. But right at the not end. Not really it's a different timeline, don't worry. Yeah, but don't, right don't put your cereal down. But right there. at the end to see her on her bed and just see this this stoic, this this tough as hard nails character mm. just collapse emotionally into yeah. this mess. And it's sort of like, you know, the strongest character can yeah. still be ruined by, um, you know, by these events. And, and just, I, I, I absolutely love, again, Pellier, a scene stealer <laughs> in this I book. Loved, I love what they did with Pellier in this episode. I thought it was, because she's become, she's our Guinan yes. yeah. in Strange New Worlds. You know? <laughs> yeah. And she can do this. They're very careful. They don't do anything that, like, you know, they, they don't set it up that mm. Pelia will then immediately remember Laan, you know, much yeah. later on, uh, which I think is clever as well. Um, I quite like that it suggests know. that she's been through so much crazy shit that she's like, oh yeah, that time when someone came from the future, oh, maybe I remember that, you know. Um, like like that, and, and okay, cause, as you know, I might have watched this episode once or twice, so I was really <laughs> carefully looking like, you know, is there anything here, like, you know, there's nothing other than like, the fact that they know Pelia's name and that she's mm. a Lanthanite. There's yeah. nothing else that mentions the future. Mm. She Obviously, she tweets like, right, okay, well, you're not of Earth or yeah. you're not of this period of Earth. I can get that. But, which which I thought was I thought was very good. And also, it was much funnier than I was expecting it to be. Mm. You know, because we, we've not, well, at that point, we hadn't had much of Paul Wesley. You yeah. know? So I wasn't really sure what to expect. And suddenly, uh, I still think, like, there is an entire season's worth of the Queen's Gambit season two that they must have played to get the amount of money that they must have had. I mean, and also, how did they get that hotel room without a credit card in 2023? Anyway, it's not <laughs> um, But, uh, so that, that was great. I loved the, the way they bounce off each other. Um, and what's crucially important about this episode, they've completely fixed any canon issues with one line of dialogue. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. All of these time agents messing with time. This was meant to happen in 1992. Yeah, Kansas child now. Boom, perfect. That that, that, that It was a brilliant really... retcon. It was. Yeah, it was. It's fantastic. It was brilliant because it's like we we knew that they were going to do something with Khan. We saw it in season two of Picard. We knew that it was going to happen. Obviously, there's the the. Uh, is it the podcast that they're doing? The Khan spin-off podcast miniseries? Yes. Do you know what, actually? I had completely forgot about it. Yeah, SETI yeah. Alpha... SETI Alpha 5. SETI Alpha. Something yeah. like that, yeah. And so we knew that we were doing it. And then, obviously, the elephant in the room for Strange New Worlds for Laan is Noonien Singh. Mm. So it's like, well, how do we address that? And to, to sort of say... To have that Romulan go, oh, this was supposed to happen in 1992 and I had waited 30 years for this. And then to see Khan, a young Khan, there. And you're like, the, the way that... And the, they do this all the way through season two. The way they address certain things is brilliant because this is a testament to the writers. Pay your writers, Paramount. Mm. This is a testament to how good they are to go, this is the elephant in the room. 1996 has come and gone. There's been no DY500 yeah. blast-offs. There's been no eugenics wars. Yeah. How do we get around it? Oh, wibbly-wobbly time stuff. 
but we'll do it in such a subtle way that it's a nod to the temporal Cold War from Star Trek Enterprise, but it retcons to a certain point where there are no major changes. Mm. And uh-huh. it, it's, it's sort of, you know, this was supposed to happen. Obviously, Khan is a test tube baby, so they're sort of like, well, instead of... bigger than that, though. It, mm-hmm. it was a big tube. It was a big tube. Mm. It was a beaker. So, it, so instead of being born... Yeah. <laughs> so instead of being born in the, the 80s or the 90s, they're sort of like, well, he would have been, what was he, 10 years old in this? So like, yeah, he was about 9 or 10. around that, yeah. Yeah, so he was born in... Oh, I don't know. 82? Yeah. Yeah, because this is what, set in... Uh, we're still talking about cancer. This is set in 2023, so I'd say, uh, so like, let's conservatively say 2010. He's yeah. born in 2010, right? So this Romulan agent, Sarah, I think, mm. Um, mm. no, her name escapes. Sarah, sorry, S-E-R-A. Mm. Um, and yeah, she said, look, it's meant to happen in the 90s. It didn't. And then we get this whole thing of, like, yeah, but also, and it works. She's Romulan. Romulus don't age as quickly as uh, as humans do. So yeah. that works, yeah. that works nicely as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know she's brandishing a gun instead of a disruptor. All fine. Anything of it. So that absolutely works for me. Uh, plus, it was just great to see the Romulan bird of prey. Even just that picture <laughs> yeah. of it. It was great to see that back again. Um, and this idea that like you know like oh well you know wouldn't Earth sensors have picked that up? <laughs> fine. Yes. No. Does it matter? Do, do you know what I mean? Like you know kind of like. Like, look at I me. Mean, we had at one seven oh one was basically hovering over an air force base in the original series, and like someone had to look out the window. Oh, what the fuck? You know, like. You I, know, I think it's the idea. Maybe of... these military aren't quite as strong as we give them credit for. We're still know? freaking out over UFO tic tacs that were <laughs> that were detected years ago. So it's sort of yeah. But but I think that's the thing, though. It's it's the idea of like the fans are willing to forgive like you know minor gripes or whatever as long as there's a better payoff. It's you know I think it's when you totally retcon something or you totally change something and then you do something shit with it. You know, then you're kind of like going, hang on, that was meant to be in 1992. But, but I mean this this whole thing and like and I think from an emotional point of view, how important like this like you were saying this episode is to Lan, where the fact is. She comes face to face with Khan and realizes they're just a kid, like yeah. you know, like they, you yeah. know that they they are just a child. This this monster, this shadow she has looming over her, like throughout her whole history, and that has dogged her for her entire existence, is just a child at this point, and she, you know, and she can't do it. But she, she realizes, yeah, but she realizes by doing that it alters the time. You know, yeah. the, 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 the timeline would be altered, but it's the realization of. Earth needs to go through this yeah. awful stage, you know, because the eugenics wars lead to World War Three, leads to mm-hmm. Cochrane, warp drive, mm-hmm. Vulcan's first contact. It leads to Earth being better in the long run. It is a necessary, it's going to sound really mm-hmm. like heartless, it is a necessary sacrifice mm-hmm in the goals of utopia which is exactly what trek is all about mm. it's like you know like you know you have people saying like oh cisco's a villain or like a monster or like jane ray's a monster and you're like well what what decision were they supposed to make like you know where was jane ray supposed to keep two vicks alive why who would that benefit like you know think about all of the loss well like, Vicks, i guess well <laughs> fuck two vicks <laughs> you can quote me on that <laughs> but, it's, but no jane ray already did um but the, 
But like, you know, like with Cisco and stuff, where you just go like, you know, maybe he was a bit heavy handed with like the marquee. But the fact is, in the pale moonlight, it worked. And to quote Garrick, all it took was, you know. But this is, the, but the beauty is as well, they have no regrets. Hmm. Even Cisco is said, you know, would I do it again? Yes. Because it has to be done. And this is the thing, this is like, like in the episode of TNG, where Troy's trying to take the captain's exam and she can't, she doesn't figure it out because she realizes she has to kill Geordie. Yeah. Like she has to kill someone in order to like save everyone. And it's just like, oh, it's a difficult decision to make. And I think a lot of fans don't realize how difficult it would be to be of, Pike, yeah. to be, you know. But that's uh, the thing with Command. Command is not always cut and dry, it's gray. There's a yeah. lot of gray areas and- we, A lot of we, gray hair as well. A lot of gray hair, yeah. yes. Well, you know, again, yes. Um, I still think he'd be great as a Jew South remake. Anson Manti, fantastic. Sorry. You make the joke every week. And I'm, I do, I'm, and I, I'm, I'm getting difficult with faking the laughter. Do South will yeah. come back with Anson Manti, I'm telling you. <laughs> So it, it's it's very <laughs> it's it, we learn this from Battlestar Galactica as well with, mm. with Commander Adama that command decisions have to be like sacrifices have to be made. It's not always sacrifices have to be made. It's not always good versus evil. It's not always uh, black and white. Yeah. There is a lot of grey areas, and it's the fact that, like you said, with Troy in the entrance exam, she tried to find a way to save everyone, and Riker said, "You cannot." save everyone and it's about the needs of the many outweighing the needs yeah. of the few as we learn from spock in the movies it's these decisions have to be made that's and it. this is the price of command that's it the eugenics war has to happen yes. for us to get utopia yes. and the the, the and lan realizing that and it helping her kind of come to come to grips with her past and with her like heritage is i think it's fantastic mm. sorry anyway <laughs> But the next episode... But, sorry, go on. That's it, yeah, like, it, it's funny, like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the final episode by about Tuesday. But, sorry. Uh, just, I, I don't know, Nate, it's, it's because it is, there's a lot of... Strange New Worlds has given us a lot of episodes that we will talk about for some time to come. Yes. And I'll, I'll go into... Actually, no, because there's, there's more points I want to make on that, but as we go on. So, um, in my opinion, episode four was the weakest episode of the season. Mm. Among the Lotus Eaters, I said this to you the memory one, away, isn't it? This is the memory one yeah. on Rigel 7. I mean, the thing, the thing is, I remember when we were reviewing this and I got really excited because I thought it was going to be an Otegas episode. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's going to finally get an Otegas episode. And I didn't realise the backstory that you went into earlier about her husband dying. But it was the idea of just going, and then it didn't. And I thought it was great. Like, you know, this is still a sort of 85, oh, 90% yeah. episode. But it was the... I, I think I think it was cool because we got to see full-on Daddy Pike, you know, like, you know, beating the guy up and stuff. And I, and I quite liked the idea of just going... Starfleet doesn't always get it right. Like, they literally did abandon people. And, yeah, yeah they could have tried harder. They could have done better, but they didn't. But do you know what they also don't get right? The uniforms. <laughs> oh no! Not I I have such an issue with this because Rigel Seven happened. What was it? Five years previous the cage. It would have been because yeah, because oh no, it was um, it was the cage. Yeah, sorry, it was yeah, just the before cage. the cage. Twenty-two fifty-four. Yeah, um, was the cage. So, and, but the uniforms. So yeah, so, th there's no. And, and, and considering we've seen a picture of Pike and April side by side yes. in the uniform. And now, I, I, see, I want to make this point. Um, 
Strangely World looks beautiful. Okay, let me put that. I mean, like we we know that. We, I love the I love the I love the uniforms as they are in twenty two fifty nine. I mean, I I have to say I, I really really like how they've redesigned them. Hmm. This is a point I will make again when we get to Under the Cloak of War. Yeah. Um, it's I I've just just thrown them all in the bin. Is that it? Because it just seems like, um. You know, like if you're if you're going to something where you're going back to a planet, you're going to expect there to be something like that. A, 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 a good uh, good uh, comparison, in my opinion, would be um, go back to Next Generation, the episode Second Chances, where you get Thomas Riker, yeah, who was introduced in a season one variant, yeah, of the of the Next Generation uh, uniform. That's a tiny thing; no one talks about it. There's no need to talk about it. Uh, same then when you get to um, the Pegasus. Yeah. there's bodies on the ground in that early variant it's just those little those little bits just make the extra difference you know it's, i mean if you're gonna make the whole uniform if you've got costumers who are gonna make the whole costume for the season you would just want that little extra bit of detail because surely it's not much more the, effort the problem with trekkies is we notice the tiny, yeah we notice the tiniest details we notice yeah, we, do. we know when the constitution class from season one to season two of strange new worlds has a slightly different neck dorsal spar we notice that we know that they have put that in so when it goes this was you know rigel seven was five years ago so why they're not wearing the cage uniforms the later episode um under the cloak of war why are they not wearing the disco uniforms even just the mm. disco badge would have been enough yeah. because you could say well this was a transition or whatever period where mm. we did it's the tiniest little detail and you don't even have to have a really expensive screen accurate discovery uniform because he's been there five years you could just get a cosplayer one distress it mm. stretched dirty that would yep. have been fine yeah. you you can go if they're worried about money and oh we're going to have to make this from scratch and do ebay do what they did in the 90s and the 60s. Oh, we need a ship. Right, I'll just go to AMT and I'll buy a model <laughs> instead of building one from 20 bucks or $2,000 for... But that, and, that's and what they at, do. Look at the way of the warrior. Look how good that looked with those AMT yeah. models. Yeah. Yes, okay, you had your, your, your hero ship, your Nagvar, you know, but then you have these exploding ships back. And, and I, like, I want to say as well, I think we're on the same page, like, it's not that we're sitting here going, ah, we could have done it better. It's not that. It's just, you know, the tricks are there. Yeah. The tricks are yeah. there to do yeah. these things. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I'm still picking up on the point. The uniform's wrong. Yeah. It's frustrating. It was down at the time. You know, it's still a down. Um, because while I do think, I do think the episode flounders a bit, that the kind of the joke of, we've, you know, we've kind of lost our memory for me it, mm. you know the funny side of it up on the ship mm. that sort of you know it mm. didn't really work yeah. and then i was also dealing with the excellent here we go here's the ortega set are you kidding me yeah um, yeah and i, I, I was because i probably should get this out of the way now so i have been one of those grumpy feckers that for 10 episodes like my my season down is we didn't get the ortega's episode yeah the reason i stand by my season down is because of how telegraphed it was that oh the episode's coming oh yeah. the episode's coming drop that drop yeah. it like as in whether you know if you know you're not going to do that and there is by god there is a 
bloody valid reason yeah, yeah. you know don't telegraph it so hard you know mm. oh you'll get you'll get the away mission someday like at this point i'm assuming spoiler ortega survives season two that season three episode one i'm assuming that's going to be at least heavily featuring ortegas I... if not an ortegas episode yeah. itself which i think it should be i think you know they set it up in such a way uh, it's just all of this telegraphy which is why for me the okay but yeah. this is and i mean uh, this is the benefit, though, of an unfortunate benefit of the gap between season two and season three that wasn't really picked up in Picard season two and three because Picard season two and three was back to back. So they, they didn't have that space yeah. to, to watch the fans watching the show and pick up on it. Whereas, it's so weird that then, like, they were done at the same time. Yeah. Because it it's like back. one of them really gets it and one of them doesn't. Well, it was back like, to Why back. would you be doing... Yeah, two so very different shows. They, they, at once. they more or less. We can go into more more detail. So it was effectively they filmed season two and then season three, but there was of course crossover there as was, well. Yeah, like they. So because uh, I remember asking a few people like, "Oh, what? How did it feel going from one set to the other?" I was like, "That's not how it worked. It's not like yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. You know, Jean, yeah. you probably actually did have pickup. Sorry, Sorry, different show. No, no, but, yeah, go, go back to what you were saying. But it's, it's, it's sort of the unfortunate uh, benefit of the current strikes in Hollywood is that the showrunners can take a beat and listen to the fans and go, right, you know, understandably there was a reason why there was no Ortega's Focus episode. We can sort of write that because they are still in pre production. Yeah. Whether or not they've got all 10 episodes mapped out of they can take a step back and go, maybe we can do this. Maybe we listening to the feedback and going, we can do that and yeah. we can change that might be more beneficial for them. Well, you know, we'll get to it when we get to uh, later episodes, but it's like the fact of um, the fact of Pelia. Like, I don't know if they I, they didn't know what to do with Pelia this season, and I got very scared when we get to the last episode that it means that there's a book, a target over Pelia effectively. And I'm just like going, I'm pretty sure that now they've got space between the seasons, they're going to be like, let's not be too hasty, or let's make this a bigger deal than it might have been initially. But yeah, um. Uh, yeah, all I'll say about this episode is I, I liked the joke about it. Like, I loved it where, like, Spock came up with a really clever plan of we should write our names on all the tablets, but then foolishly he did it all in English and he couldn't read it because when he lost his memory, he'd only knew Vulcan. So it's literally just what it is, like, it's your native language. And he was like, I can't read this. <laughs> you know, and it's like, that didn't help at all. <laughs> also, no Pellier in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I think that's the problem, though. Pelia, they've been so sparing throughout the season, and it felt really odd. Like, she feels like a plot device rather than a character at times, where she's kind of like, oh, we need a chief engineer, but we're not really going to focus on them too much. And it was quite good, though, because remember when I started theorizing later on that maybe she's actually going to be a villain or something? Like, because they're keeping her mysterious enough that they happily could do a heel turn. They could happily, in season three, they could actually just go, actually, she's here for malicious purposes, and it would totally still fit. You know, I don't think they can now because she's such a fan, fan favourite, but, like, I kind of had it on my bingo card to happen this season, but maybe, and then obviously a new engineer comes along. 
But I love the idea that they've kind of kept it open by having the character so mysterious. It's, it's sort of, I, I kind it as the Shaw paradox, where obviously, mm. like we just said, that season two and three was filmed back, back, back to back. So the plan for uh, Todd Stashwick's character yeah. was, was set in motion. But it's the question of, had they had known how loved that character would become, yeah. would they have still continued with the same story? Or would they have... Maybe he was shot and then that's it, or maybe he's... There needs to be some kind of rule of don't kill off new characters on the season they get introduced. That is happily what I would do. I'd just be like, that's not... As Lower Dex has explained, no one ever really dies. (laughs) And where you go when you die is terrifying and haunting and will change you for the rest of your life. (laughs) So, you, you know, but... Getting into the, the next episode, Charades, um, this was... Whoever, like, I think you said it, whoever labels Spock as the comic relief deserves all the awards because mm. Ethan Peck just pulls it off so goddamn well. What did you think so, of this one? so good. Uh, this, this, for me, uh, I was at the time going, well, this is my favourite episode of the season so far. Um, <laughs> and then You'll it, say it, that it, a lot going on. <laughs> Yeah, especially as the rest of the season goes on. Yeah. Um, but you start to, of course, immediately you compare it to uh, Spock and Muck. Yeah. Um, and you get two bloody funny Spock and Tipperine episodes. Yeah. I think Strange New Worlds, one of the things it's done best is it's developed Tipperine mm. to yeah. the point where, because, you know, what was she in history other than the one who made Spock kill Kirk? Do you know what I mean? Like, there was no, yeah. there was no character there. Uh, she was. Spock's wife, that was... Blah, blah, blah. Therefore, a muck time, amazing fight, music, everyone's happy. Yeah. Whereas in Strange New Worlds, she's brilliant. Like Gia Sandhu just plays because it's very hard. Being a Vulcan is bloody difficult because how are you? How do you make yourself endearing to your audience and yet still barely crack a smile? Yeah. Um, and one thing that... So, w- one issue that I had with the Kelvin movies is that I I really like Quinto when he's just doing Spock. Mm. But in every film, there was like, let's have a reason for Spock to lose his coolness. And my point was, you lose the impact of that when it happens all the time. You know, Um, and that's what they've been very sparing about. Up until charades, they've (laughs) been very sparing about that with Spock in both discovery and strange new worlds um and they, again, they've done it to demonstrate his character he is he is half human he is half vulcan and it's pointing out that the what we see in the original series isn't the 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 initial product it's the fact of he's gone through all of this shit in order to control his emotions as well as the spock we know and love and so that's why we have the finale of season one, and that's why we have everything that happens in this but series. But it's, it's also a good justification for why Spock smiles in the cage. Yeah. When he yeah. touches the flowers. And it's like, ah, oh, well, he's not supposed to smile. He's, he's a Vulcan. He's a human. And this. And it's like, well... <laughs> this is the thing. It's like, I, I absolutely adored... To, I, I adore Tepring. I absolutely yeah. love uh, Tepring in Strange New Worlds. And the fact that she's like a punk Vulcan, where she is fully Vulcan, but she has these little sort of like little... You know, like, like, like in the gay community where you have shade, she has a couple of little sort of like says things that are shady as fuck, but like, you know, because it's done in a Vulcan way, it's kind of, she gets away with it. And it's really, 
Yeah, I absolutely adore it. And I, I think it's just great, the development that we have for Spock over the course of the series. And the fact of, like, keeping the... Like, to compare Strange New Worlds and how it feels like old Trek, it feels like the Trek that we know and love and what we wanted, is the idea of having this outsider character also being comic relief. Because we had it with Spock in the original series, we had it with Worf, we had it with... Um, was there comic relief in DS9? DS9? Well, yeah, yeah, Quark and Roman stuff. Uh, and obviously, maybe to a lesser extent, Worf when he comes in. Tuvok. And then obviously, uh, no, in Voyager, Tuvok. In Voy Voyager, it was supposed to be Neelix and it failed badly, so no. it was kind of Tuvok. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, but that, that idea, and then, you know, and obviously, Flocks in Enterprise, this idea of an outsider just kind of bringing a comedy element by being so out of the picture and sort of so ill fitting, I think. And it's wonderful that they keep they've kept that spirit alive with Spock here. But with, I mean, a huge, huge shout out to to Jess uh, Bush mm. because her performance in this episode, I, I genuinely, you can genuinely believe that she's actually in love with with Spock. The shortness yeah. of breath, the eye contact, and you know, it's absolutely, great acting. it's 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 amazing, and the lengths that Chapel will go to uh, to bring back the Spock that she knows and loves. And, mm. you know, the, the, she will risk her life, not only her life, everyone else's life, uh, yeah. la, um, Uhura and Ortegas's life to, see, you know, to bring him back to how he works. Because in this episode, there is a, a time, is it a time? It's, it's a wormhole, isn't it? It's a tunnel. Yeah. Multidimensional tunnel, I believe. Um, <laughs> something <laughs> happened and they turn him... The, these, these... But basically, it's a, it's a commentary on how shit automated phone lines are. We literally it's, just like, it's the call you know. center. It's the call center episode, <laughs> as we called it, because we we didn't call them by their names. We called them the Virgin Media <laughs> call center alien race, where Spock enters. Spock and uh, Chapel enter the the tunnel. Something happens, and this 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 evolved well, they, race. Yeah, basically goes. Oh, we noticed them. one of your. Uh, we noticed one of you was injured, and one of you was uh, a half breed. So we've made them a full breed now. Your and you're just like going, what? <laughs> your complaint is important to us. However, you did not report it during the specified Virgin Media flashbacks. It, 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 literally, it's me trying to end my contract with Virgin Media and just being like, I, how many people do I have to speak to? Anyway, strangely enough, no sponsorship emails from Virgin Media yet. I don't know it's, why. It's strange. Yeah, but it's it's the lengths that she would go to and and uh, to, to to bring him back and and um, mm. even you know she is madly in love with Spock even when he's going through this this confirmation ceremony with yeah. her parents also as well the the food in the new mess uh, well, I don't even is it a mess hall is it a bar it, well this is uh, oh, oh, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Uhura is there having this big, amazing sandwich. It, it looks like either, you know, like bar food or whatever. Like, yeah. Because I think this is pre-replicators yeah it's like protein well, well, sequences this yeah. is what I was saying yeah. though it's the fact of like I was complaining when we were reviewing it because it's like Otegas and Uhura are like oh can we get these to go and I'm like why don't you just put them in the bin and then get new ones when you get on the shuttle and then Goodwill was pointing out like oh but this is pre-replicators so they literally don't have replicators on the shuttle and yeah. I'm like oh I didn't know that <laughs> you know, so. but it's I mean to Pring's mother <laughs> you know this thing, how well is it done when you hate them? Straight <laughs> you know? away. S same as um, same as the hood from Ad Aspera Peraspara. 
I forgot about the, the fucking hood. hood. <laughs> Just turn the back out. Sorry, the hood. That is a deep fucking, hood. Fucking like elf ears on the hood. Yes. <laughs> All he needed was the eyes to glow as he stands up and like interrogates Una. So Una, tell us. Yeah, we need to rescue Una. F A B for Federation. If fucking. Strangely Will did a, like a Thunderbirds crossover. They'd pull it off. Like, you that's, know, that's how weird this is. You know you someone's go, yeah. done that. You know <laughs> someone's got it on a board somewhere going, ah, there's a universe where they're all puppets. Well, actually, I'll tell you what, there definitely is. Angel someone, did it um, and it didn't work. Just, no, Justin Lin of Gazelle Automations, because they're the, they're the team that put together the animated version of Threshold and the Best of Both Worlds. Do you mm. remember they were doing the rounds there last year? Yeah. Well, he and his team, sorry, put together three episodes of Thunderbirds for the 50th anniversary of Thunderbirds. Wow. So he, I was, we were doing a podcast with him. We were talking about Star Trek, and there he was with Scott Tracy standing behind him, hanging down, like, <laughs> and the pilot seat from Thunderbird 1 it's actually brilliant but yeah if there's anyone in the world who has imagined or possibly done this <laughs> it's the team at Gazelle Automations there's my little plug that was there fantastic I want Good. a Puppet Pike now Puppet Pike Puppet Pike the hair is amazing yeah and it's just like hit I think, it. I think there's worse things to put your hand up um you're really dark, Sean, I've noticed. Look at us, we're like brightly, brightly what? lit and you're like, just gradually th- fading. Think of the timing of that. There's other things, there's worse things to put your hand up. You're really dark, Sean. <laughs> That's it, well, I'm really also, dark. No, also, no, I'm, I'm, lit, I'm lit phenomenally. Why? There we go, we have more Sean. Why would you put your hand uh, up on Marionette? Have I been doing it wrong all these yes, years? Yes, you have. Very good, That's we're a paid. very good point. You do, yeah. you do this. You you don't. Anyway, so... um. I just always... Uh, I, that, that's why Sooty never spoke, though. And why Sweet was always so distressed, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. So Tupring's father was a very non-traditional Vulcan. <laughs> a very um, non-traditional Vulcan. In fact, to the point where I don't think he realised he was Vulcan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but also... Now, now it's going to turn out that, uh, you know, Tupring is half Romulan. You know, they're going to oh, give her yes. the But also, Pike's acting without saying a goddamn word in this where he's just sat <laughs> drinking whiskey and then you know at the point where they've completed the ceremony and Spock's about to lose his shit and and Pike just walks in with an entree looks and just walks away just walks right back out <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you can oh. that's how good an actor is where they don't have to say a word I love it like one of my favourite Pike looks is uh, after the Klingon bit in uh, Subspace Rhapsody where he doesn't say anything he just turns away and he's just like that and I'm just like that's one of my favourite shots of the whole thing the, the amount of gifts from that <laughs> it's, it's insane but but all of these are like loads of gifts like this is is this is this the episode with um, the I will break you Yes. yes, do not test me, <laughs> I will break you. And someone's break. done it as the, the woman screaming at the cat, and the cat's just like... <laughs> and, it's, it's like... <laughs> and it's like, yeah, Sam Kirk in this, he, like, he says, he does nothing all season, and he's just like, I've got a muffin crumb, and just the way it's... Well, I, I sympathise with Spock so much because I'm just like, there's a mess and I need to clean it. See, this I is it. This is, this is how we're different people, where it's like I'm just going like... No, Spock. Don't don't make this molehill any bigger. You know, like, <laughs> I will break you. But, 
but that's it it's the idea of the the joy of using spock for comedy purposes and like we're saying like i love the the hyacinth bouquet like and richard relationship that Dupring's parents have keeping up and, appearances and, and, I, and I just i just genuinely love that how he's just so open to everything he's like oh it's a human thing oh i quite like this and then she's like it does not taste correct and he's like oh well i suppose it doesn't and i love how just, yeah. how under the thumb he is and like and it's very much this idea of going these like the writers have done it so well where it has so many characters this season who don't really get a lot of screen time but we feel like we know them and it's because they were so well done and so well acted and they're some of your and favorite the, moments yeah and the, yeah. these parents where i'm just like we're talking about these parents who probably bought 10 minutes screen time in a whole season that's, yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. you know it's like it's phenomenal, you know, because he barely gets any lines, and yet, like, I'm like, I, I desperately I want, want to play back Charade. again. Yeah. I want them. I want Charade. yeah, he wants yeah. to play it. Um, so the next episode, I mean, well, obviously, well, I mean, the, the cliffhanger well, the, the, for this episode is Spock and Chapel yeah. rock boots, and and I yeah. think this is great yeah. though because, like, like we're saying, the writers are doing a really good job of knowing what they need to achieve and what history they need to build up and working in the middle ground of it like you know because the fact is there's always been that tension between chapel and spock like in a romantic kind of sense that doesn't really get explored in the original series very briefly yeah. i would say yeah. but it's the idea of it's just in the the love episode you know the love virus one isn't it i can't remember my knowledge of the original series is terrible but yeah but basically and, and then this one kind of has this arc within the series that we're going to get into now, which is the idea of going, hey, we're going to elaborate on the chapel romance and also use that as a springboard for why Spock doubles down on logic, mm. which is phenomenal, you know. But yes, I care. The next episode, Lost in Translation, um, which is an Uhura-centric episode and again we do get Paul Wesley back as Captain Kirk because he's shadowing Una because why shadow yeah I... there, was, there was a meme there was, there was no. a meme yeah there, there was a meme that you sent me and it's like Star Trek why are you always on my ship <laughs> where Pike's <laughs> where yes, Pike just going to Kirk yeah, yeah why you've got your own ship why are you always here well I, I love that this is the first fucking episode where Kirk actually exists yes the fact is we've, we've had yeah. Kirk in like we've had him in two episodes now but none of it's mattered because it was one of them was in the future and then one of them was him in the past and then that timeline got deleted so this is the first yeah. time that we're actually like oh he actually exists and I love what you pointed out about it of how clever the writers were because in the uh, the original series it kind of goes like oh Kirk first met Pike when he was the fleet commander uh, and then obviously in this one they're like oh we've upgraded Pike to be the fleet commander because he's commanding multiple yeah, ships now I love that therefore we've tied up that little loose end you know and you're just going and how the fuck did you mess up the costumes with that amount of detail oh, you know it's just like we need the pedants on every department you know what in this one Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. No, no, it's like, yeah, you know, in the uh, previous one. Yeah, but. Under the Cloak of War, and, and yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it was, it was, I loved just that tiny little nod where it's just like, that's the get-out clause, mm. and I'm like, they, the, the, the attention to detail for that, and then the uniforms are not the same. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderfully frustrating. But with this one, with it's an Uhura-centric episode, and you've got Kirk there, and the fact that the first time Uhura meets Kirk... She 
first thinks that he's chatting her up and then just decks him in the nose. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. Yeah. Well, I, 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 and you get that scene as well of, you know, the, it's Uhura, Spock and Kirk together at the end and there's no big... Yeah. It, it's treated, you know, nicely, but there's no, you remember there was that kind of period, kind of mid-2000s until quite recently where they were doing all the reboots mm. and in the reboot you would have... You know, it, and this is across. So this is not just Star Trek. It's across so many properties. Where like, uh, so I'm a big. This is gonna sound like such a, a left field. Big slasher movie fan. Mm. So I was really enjoying the the Halloween remake that uh, Rob Zombie did in 2009. And mm. I, 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 it has its moments. And there's a big part you know, Michael picks up the mask. You know, and mm. the bloody orchestra or whatever goes insane because he's picked up the mask. From his point of view, it's a ratty out piece of crap yeah. Yeah. that's been buried under, you know, uh, a thing for it. And then when you have a more mainstream film, like, for example, Batman Begins, and yeah. it's a bit where he opens the thing, there's the bat thing, you know, it's kind of, you know, ah, we all know what this means. Like, yes, but he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And and so on and so forth. And again, Star Trek Into Darkness. My name is Khan. Hey, Khan, I'm Jim. This is Spock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, the bloody hell is Khan. <laughs> but here you get this is a this in my opinion is how you do that mm, you know it's like we have all three of these characters who are some of the most iconic characters in Star Trek all they're doing is they're just having a chat yeah that's it you know and it was um, a great and I talk about that one the most because Hammer was a zombie what else happened in this episode yeah well to be fair I, I quite like the idea because what I said most about this episode was this kind of it, it annoyed me a little bit because my favourite thing about Trek is that people believe people like most of the time in the show if someone has a problem they'll look into it so if someone says hey I saw a zombie then they're going to be like okay cool we'll do some checks we'll check the scanner logs we'll do all of this like that is not real life mm -hmm. you'll have stuff in your day job where you go hey i have this problem that i need to deal with and someone will be like nah fuck it whatever you know wait till it's a serious issue or you know or you'll be like oh this horrible thing happened to me and people will just be like mm, are you making it up you know and like what i love about trek is the fact that everyone is so oh, we'll look into this. Like, you know, we need to, like, look into this because they wouldn't have mentioned it because they trust each other. Because there is, And that's the utopia that I love about Trek. And it was interesting in this episode that we had Una... Like, uh, like people not believing her. Like, basically doing the initial scans and then be like, it came up with nothing, so maybe you're crazy. Uh, you know, and, and it kind of annoyed me, but then at the end it kind of turns around again and it ends up with them being like, oh, actually, actually, okay, we are starting to... Do stuff, do you, and it was interesting that like the, we also got the first discourse between uh, uh, Uhura. Sorry, I was saying a Utica, and I'm like that's a dragon. Utica and a state. Uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> I think oh, it's a city. Um, I don't know. The drag queen's more famous. Um, but no, like we get the first interaction between Uhura and Pelia. Yes, and you know we get and the they, whole. They, I, they address it. Yeah. The elephant in the room, where she's like, "You've never said hello to me." Yeah, and and it, it, I I like that they've done this, where they've basically made the interaction between Hemmer and Una, uh, Uhura so important, like mm. so groundbreaking for Uhura. And I, I really like that they keep bringing it back, it back and kind of going, "Hey, look, it was a small thing to us, their interaction together, but for this character, it meant the world." I again, this is this is Pelia being a scene stealer, where. 
they they talk about Henna in the Nacelle control room. She's like, oh, yes, one of my best students. I'm only saying that because he's dead. <laughs> but then... But, but then, I fucking love that. Yeah. It's, a, it's like, I'm only saying it but, because but he's dead. But she does it with, with Una at the end when they're in the shuttlecraft after they've blown up, you know, because infinite resources in Starfleet were just like, we won't shut it down, we'll just blow it. Well, obviously they yeah. can't shut it down, but they're just like, let's just blow it the fuck up. Um, but then when they're coming back in the shuttle, where she's just like, oh, you know, you deserve that C, <laughs> you know, because your presentation was sloppy at best. And you're just like, she is the most, as, as someone who's gone through that and been through yeah. like college and university, and you've had that one lecturer, that one professor where you sit there and you're like, I'm getting flashbacks just from hearing this because you try your best and they're just like, it was sloppy at best. I, I think I think that's the thing though, the fact of like like we see with Pellia. I love how we're talking about Pellia so much. And, uh, you know, like talking about Sony World and we're, she's barely in it and yet we're still talking about it. Can, can I just, I've just had a flashback to university because one of my courses was do a podcast and my first attempt... That ended badly. Quote, quote, this was seven minutes and 32 seconds of pure self-indulgence. What do you think now, Mr. Barfoot? <laughs> anyway, go on. This is an hour and 28 minutes of pure self-indulgence. I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> Live long and suck it. But anyway, as you were saying. <laughs> but no, but like, but I think the wonderful thing about Pelia is like, you know, the Lanthanites, they can just do anything. They have all the time in the world to learn anything. And it's this idea of when we saw her in Tomorrow and Tomorrow, like she hadn't even considered engineering, but then she's got 200 years to get really good at it. So it's this idea of just being like, you know, and it's just that weirdness of just being like, yeah, I, I think to be fair, if you'd been doing engineering for like 200 years or something, you'd probably be pretty pedantic about doing but, it right. But you know? Una, Una raises a good point in this episode because obviously she, she's kicking off at Pellier by saying, you know, you've got crumbs on your uniform. When have you had time to eat? It's dirty. But then she goes, I outrank you. You, you know, you have been in Starfleet since Starfleet was conceived, and yet I outrank you. Mm. Why is that? And, but this is the thing, though, where we kind of disagreed about this because I thought I this was what I liked, if possibly setting Pellier up as a villain of like saying there's another motive. But effectively, it's the idea of like Pellier just being like space hippie. I don't want to. Like, you know, play plain yeah. simple. It, it, it's the whole thing. Like Troy doesn't become a captain because like she's like she can't do it. You know, she's just like I don't really ever want to be in that position. You know, just because you can do something doesn't mean you. It is, Must. yeah, it, it is refreshing where people are just happy with their station. Well, that's the thing, is that, like, I could do so much more with my life or whatever, but then having dealt with people in that position, I'm just like, oh, that sounds like a horrible life, and it seems like wanting more, more, more just gets you I, less time. <laughs> I like talking about Star Trek and like would like to do that mm. as my proper job. I like World. scissoring. <laughs> if anyone's listening, they can employ me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, that's it as well. It's like, you know, imagine how much time does Kike get to sit down and do a podcast? You know, how much time yeah. does Cisco get, you know, between war crimes? How much time does Cisco get to, uh, Not much. you know, to do these Play things? Play baseball. And, yeah, uh, or baseball. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that's the extreme. War crimes or baseball. Baseball. Like, that's it. Yeah, that's between those two things. Um, Someone's still precariously living in the middle between war crimes and yeah. baseball. <laughs> What's, what's interesting as well is that, you know, across all of Star Trek, you do get those characters who are, you know, it's not about the glory. It's not about ascending the ranks as quickly as possible. There's times when that has maybe not 
big. So one of my favorite episodes is Tapestry. Yeah. Uh, but there is a kind of a message in Tapestry which doesn't land as well, which is just like, oh, so being a lieutenant in the scientist in the sciences is actually something that Picard would prefer to be dead than than do that. <laughs> okay. I, I feel that is a message that could have possibly been delivered another way, but still. Um, but but then again, but like, it's in then, his context. In in his it, context, that's, yeah, that's it's like you in know his context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we also have then, I suppose you you know the consummate engineers. Look at the look at the career path Jordy went. Yeah. Well, you look know? at Chief O'Brien. Uh, like Chief O'Brien is outranked yeah. by everyone on DS9, but he is the chief and he is respected by everyone. He's a union man. But and he's a union man need more of them um but it, it yeah it's exactly that it's the fact of like yeah he could have he could still be in starfleet but he chooses not to he chooses not to be an officer well look what happens when you rise through the ranks too quickly you are an admiral on the enterprise f and then you've got multiple holes put in you by changelings yeah or you're an evil admiral or you're keiko o'brien it's... <gasps> miles 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 <clears throat> um yeah uh the next episode, it's a bit of a weak one, this one. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a pile of shite. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't think it was yeah. one of the best episodes which in 20 years. Which one was it again? It was, it, was, um, it, was on... it was those old scientists, which is an acronym oh, for TOS. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, not every episode can be... Self-indulgent. <laughs> self-indulgent. Oh, God, flashbacks. Flashbacks. Self-indulgent. Look, like, uh, not even to speak to her. What is there left to say already about it? Hit yeah. every note pretty much perfectly. Um, yeah. It did the balance between animation, and live action, so well. I mean, you know, it it bothered to give us an explanation as to why we saw the strange new worlds characters in animation. Frankly, it didn't need to, and <laughs> it still did, and it worked. You know, um, and then one line: "You all look so realistic." Boom. That's it. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no like ah, we were one thing and then we're the other. No. Wait, I, I, I love the like. What's the line you were quoting the other day? It's like, oh, in the past, everyone talks really fast. <laughs> talks really slow. Yeah, when they're in, <laughs> when they're in the shuttle crowd. Yeah. Why does everyone talk quietly and so slowly? <laughs> Have you noticed how they give really specific references? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were in some dystopian San Francisco, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Um, but it, 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 it's this and I, I think though the, the thing I love about this is the pacing like this is beautifully done yeah. so someone who hasn't seen Strange New Worlds gets introduced to it immediately they get the kind of oh okay this is the kind of humour and then Lord it X. goes into sorry Lord yeah Lower Decks and then it goes into the Strange New Worlds that we're familiar with and then it and the fact that it introduces like both characters separately you know, where it kind of gives us time yes. with Boimler, that is so important because we just go, oh, we're falling in love with them and then when they come through, it's like going, oh, amazing, and now we have all of this and it's, you know, especially when you just go, oh, there's no one going to be worse than Boimler and then she comes through and it's just like and everyone's like, oh god, she's I, I, a, yes. a security alien. Oh my god uh, are you, are you, uh, is it her here? Seriously, you, you guys are great but <laughs> you guys are here, but is it her here? <laughs> So nice to meet you. Seriously, she here. And it does, it, it just, it, it worked. I, I was pleasantly surprised that Noel Wells and Eugene Cordero guessed her. Now, sure, they remained in their animated form, but I love the fact that they were in it because I didn't know. It's, it's only ever been, like, publicised that it was going to be Tony Newsom and Jack Quaid. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Boimler doing the Section 31 speed walk and, you know... All, and still getting the scream in, and we have the rolled up sleeves, everything. It is, it's like 
it's like a full hour of just asking everyone in the fandom, just chill out, just enjoy this episode. Because yeah. that's what it is. It's low stakes. I heard a really, a really funny, yet accurate review that of all the episodes of season two of Strange New Worlds, I don't think we'll be having discussions about these those old scientists, no. yeah. you know, for years come because I think it's exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah. You know, whereas when you get the you know when you get to things like Under the Cloak of War or earlier tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, academic papers are going to be written on these ones. Yeah. Those old scientists like put down the pen and just enjoy the episode. We, but this is what I did where obviously we make a lot of notes when we're like reviewing the episodes and stuff and this was one where I think I think I got to uh, when they were sitting around the board table after you know she'd come come through and they were sitting around and then I just stopped taking notes yeah because I just literally I just stopped and just sat back and just enjoyed the episode I, and you know and it was just so strange to do that I I because this, this was released at San Diego Comic-Con and Paramount were, were yes. gracious enough to go, you know what, because it's going to get spoiled, we'll just release it early. Mm. So I was like, oh, thank God. But then I realised, oh, God, we're going to have to do a review early. We did two in a week. We did two in a week. And it, it yeah. was... But it was a case of... <laughs> he knows, yeah. he knows. But it was yeah. a case... Poor Chris. It was a case of you sit and you just, right, I'm going to enjoy it. Like, And it was it's one of those episodes... And you did this for Trek Culture where you just immediately went into cetaceans observations because there was so much to mm. unpack. But it's one of those where you don't have to watch Lower Decks to enjoy it. You don't, have, it, it, yeah. you don't even have to be the hardcore Star Trek. You can just enjoy it for a bit of fun time travel shenanigans. Mm. There's comedy and the comedy's executed perfectly. The pacing is perfect. Pike, where he is just <laughs> sick of this shit. <laughs> Yeah. I, I love that he has the same reaction as all other captains to time travel where he's just like no, no. don't why does this happen to me <laughs> the, 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 I think out of everything the one word that everyone <laughs> will remember is Riker Riker the improvised, improvised line. Yeah. in front of Frakes and his all wife and his wife <laughs> yeah exactly yeah Jeannie Francis there absolutely pissing herself yeah. laughing I mean like this is, I mean, I, I do feel this is going to be the trials and tribulations of this era yeah. of Star Trek. Yeah. What's on it? Yeah, oh, you don't know who that is yet. Like, I just, you know, holy cute. They have a whole Trelane thing going I love on. that. <laughs> I, I, I said that to you. I, I lost my mind because how many decades of people, like, since Q, they were like, this is Trelane. This, yeah. this must be Trelane. And then... For, for and nowadays it's like oh that person must be a Q you know? but for Mariner to just go oh shit I've got this whole Trillane thing and everyone's like it's confirmed they're the same they're the same. and it was like yes and like just that tiny thing there losing the mind and then identifying that everyone in this was this was a digger discovery even if you like discovery or you, this was a digger discovery because everyone talks so quietly and slowly and it's like <laughs> yes and they pick up on that and it's the uniforms and again Sean this is frustrating for me because they nailed the lower decks uniforms perfectly I was stuck, yeah. I was I, straight on eBay I was purchasing that goddamn I I don't know I, I my, one of my gripes is that the shoulder thing wasn't lower 
I don't know why it was so high up on because the Jack human Quaid, version compared to the cartoon be, one. Because much like our house musician for Nerdy Up North, the 25-foot-tall Viking god that is Adam, Jack Quaid is about 30-foot tall. Yeah. Um, ridiculous. Which means Jack Ransom yeah. is, must be about 50-foot tall compared mm. in the, you know, in the mm. animation. So making it any lower, I, I don't know. Well, they, but, could have, they could have had it go down to there. But compared, like, easy but, enough. You know, they get the tread on the boot right, they get the badge yeah. right. Thank you, by the way, shout out to Joe uh, Dub from Spectrum Sanctorum, who has shipped me a, a, an exclusive fanset badge all the way from Las Vegas for Lower Decks for my mm. uniform. And I'm like, you could have just <laughs> left it at the look, so I would have picked it yeah. up. Um, but it's, they get this right, and then in the next episode, they get it so catastrophically wrong. Mm. But we're not on to the next no. episode yet. <laughs> but um, I, 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 I think I think the best thing about this episode is that it wasn't just the crossover episode. Like it's the fact of yes, that's the main focus of it, but it still has a quite a fun plot with the Orions, and it's this idea of this evolution of the Orion Syndicate and like the like well not the Syndicate the actual just Orions as a race, yeah. but I like the idea that it kind of. I was I totally distrusted the Orions throughout the whole thing. I literally yeah. thought, oh, they're all criminals and stuff like that. And that's exactly the message that it's putting across. And then obviously at the end of the episode, when actually they turn out to be totally honourable and they weren't pulling a trick or anything, they were just going like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll agree to those terms kind of thing. It's, it's like, I like that. I like the fact that that's exactly what Trek's about. It's the, you know, sort of realising that other races aren't, just the you know like warmongers Boimler, or criminals or... Yeah, but Boimler learns his lesson and, uh, as well because yeah. you know he, he has that argument with, with Tendy where it's like oh actually it was Pike and the original crew the 1741 yeah. also in this episode <laughs> though a fantastic tribute to Star Trek Enterprise you know we've got a bit of the NXO yes in, in, in engineering yeah, and, and yeah. they get to geek out over Mayweather and yeah. Hoshi yeah yeah, yeah. And, it's, and that that is fun. Like this is this feels like an anniversary episode. Mm. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, and it has one of my favorite lines, which is Pellier being like, "That's my flaw. I I used that." And Spock like it was <laughs> a logi- like Spock's like floor. it was illogical to assume that you don't. That's that's her reaction is like I don't mess with my flaw. I use it to walk. <laughs> uh, or Pike um, just was, yeah. It's also, I, 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 I say this with exasperated love to the fans as well. You know, tr- tradition says that every you know ship with bearing the same name, uh, you know, construction begins to piece the last one. Well, I mean, that couldn't work for the following reasons. Then you got this ship's last one, and then, then that wouldn't work for this one. That's where first. First, he said tradition. He didn't mm-hmm. say it's the law. Second of all, and I'm saying this. Take a break. Yeah. yeah. You've seen my Calm work. You've seen my ship collection. Take break. Where are you going to find yeah. a bit of the seventeen oh one for the seventeen oh one A? Because spoilers, there isn't any. Because it's actually. actually well, a bit. Do you know what? There nearly was because there was a <laughs> torpedo casing on the planet Genesis surface that would have come from one seven oh one, but the feckers didn't think to beam it up. Oh. And it blew into smithereens. Boo. Boo. Exactly. Yeah. But it's a good. Is it? That, I mean, it's a good tiny little nod to the Titan in Star Trek: Picard, mm. because they say the same thing. Where 
parts of Riker's original Titan were used in the construction of the Neo or Connie 3 mm. uh, Titan. So it, it's... I've always said in this, in this era of new Star Trek that the writers need to talk to each other with each season that goes on. Because we've had about 40 different uniforms for and five least, years. And at least appreciate yeah. canon. At least yeah. I know it's difficult, but at least kind of go, hey, this stuff is important to the fans. Like, and because you know, that's what annoyed me with Discovery that they just went, oh, we're just going to start anew, and we're just going to, we've got reasons why we don't need to pay attention to any of that. Mm. And it was kind of like, but that's the fun. The fun is knowing the law and it adding this extra dimension to it, rather than just starting a new law. You know. Also, one final bit on this episode: Commander Ransom going, ah, Una. Hottest first officer in Starfleet. I'm like, Jerry, that's your wife. Of course you'd have to say that. <laughs> of course he has. It um, was great. Yeah. We, the, which is the next episode? The next episode just shows how well Strange New Worlds can pivot on a dime tonally under the cloak. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. Holy Umbenga shit. episode. Oh, wow. Umbenga and Chapel, this I guess. Was, can we this, get... was a, this was a true standout episode. Now, right. Let's get it out of the way. Yeah. Uniforms. He's caught. Sorry, lads, but yeah, he's caught. And in the feckin' before, previously on Star Trek, you had, you had Discovery era yeah. Klingons, and then you had an episode set in that time and went out of their way to show. No, no, it's the redesigned Klingons. But it, it's just like it only goes to kind of what you were saying as well. Like in the last episode, it was a joke that they were kind of digging that Discovery. Yeah. That was like, why does everyone speak so quietly and everything? This felt a bit more like pointed. Yeah. This was like kind of like yeah, didn't. And and now there there's a so I've spoken you know I've been lucky enough to speak to some people who work on things like you know departments like costuming and props and you know we're assured nothing is ever just done. Everyone is aware it's a four K camera mm. pointing at everything. So Chapel's sitting there in an enterprise. Yeah, uh, I said this. You know, yeah. uh, soldiers' uniforms or medics' uniforms, but and it's kind of like, but but she wouldn't have been on the ship yet, like yeah. because you know, and Benga wasn't on the ship. Why are they wearing Enterprise patches? And I would, I would be much more forgiving of that exact thing if it was nineteen ninety seven and we were watching Deep Space Nine. Yeah, because you're not expecting to get four K resolution. That it's become something of like a, a both a joke and a challenge for set dressers mm. since you know we you know, t- technology because you can't just have uh, and this is one thing uh, you know some of the art department they're quite frustrated we can't have jokes in the L cars anymore mm. you know we can't have like you know here there be dragons or something like that yeah. Yeah, written yeah. on a script because someone will see that because you you have the cameras that have that definition to mm. catch it so when you have then something like an enterprise. Uh, but and unfortunately it happens again in the last episode but you know when you have that people are going to spot it so it feels like a it's deliberate which leads us to there's a lot of questioning of like all right well who was assigned to what and where or the other one is that i won't say they didn't i no i, I don't think there's anything in there where they didn't care mm. I, I i really don't like I've, again mm. again i've been lucky enough i've spoken to a lot of these people weird brag I don't mean that about it I just be like I, mm. I you know there is so much care and effort that goes into these shows that it 
it's a bit confusing when you get something like this. The Klingons, on the other hand, I do feel like, and I love, I mean, mm. brilliant. I'm, I like this era of Klingons. It's kind of like we're, we've got a kind of a mix of like TOS movies versus mm. the next generation. They've kind of got like somewhere in the middle. Well, Just I... give me one shot of a group that has one Discovery Klingon in it. That's all I'm asking you. Yeah. you I, I'm not asking for the return of those Klingons altogether. Just do what one of Picard's cleverest things in season one was Laris flicking the guy in the head and says, he's a northerner. Boom, there you go. Northern Romulans have the V, Southern Romulans don't. Yeah. In, That's all you need. But, in, but I, I think this is the thing, though. It was the fact of, like, I really liked that they had this Discovery clip in. Like, you know, it's very short, but it's the fact of, like I'm saying... Discovery sets itself apart from everything so much that it's very difficult, even if you want to, of bringing it into Trek. And so this was like them going, this is the best we can do to kind of bring Discovery into this. But you, you're right, what you suggested would be even better of just being like, here's just one of them here, you know, that they're a thing. But what's frustrating is we see a photograph of Pike and Una where Pike is wearing the Disco outfit from season two. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then also, I mean, we, we've got a, a friend of the show, David, who was the, the background actor mm. for this episode, who was in, he was the Federation, one of the Federation soldiers who had okay. the 1701 patch. And we're going to have him on, obviously, after the strikes, because mm. we don't want to, yeah. well, we don't want to cause yeah. any, anything like that. But it, I, I would like to know what his thoughts were. Um, during the film, because he is a Star Trek fan, he's he's a hard, he's lived mm. the dream, he's <laughs> been in Star Trek. Yeah. And it said one of the most frustrating things was keeping his mouth shut for a year. Yeah. About this, but I'd want to know, like, if you if you get onto a set and it's like, right, this is during the Klingon War, the Enterprise is sent away to the other side of the quadrant to be, you know, just just not in case blown up. not blown up. Yeah. The best and the brightest are, are sent away. How frustrating as a Trekkie would it be to get on set and go, here you go, and it just says 1701 Enterprise, and you're just like, this is not... This yeah, is, uh. this is wrong. If, if you're going to do it, don't have a patch, or just have a delta, or something mm. like that. How hard would or, it be to just take the name off? Or better, if you, don't, if you can't do it accurately, and you don't want to do it wrong, make a new one. Just go, hey, they had a different uniform for this one like campaign or something like there's so many different things you could do but the fact that they fuck it up is you know when there are other options Which, available but it takes away from what is a tremendous Mbenger episode mm. where we see someone suffering from severe PTSD mm. having massive anxiety attacks and wow what a performance Wait, it, it, I, I love that I, I absolutely adore this episode I have no faults with this episode at all like because I don't pick up on stuff like the uniform thing I'm not that you know diligent but it's the fact of like I don't you know because I didn't even think that was a flaw but I don't really know but it's the fact of like they, this episode does it so wonderfully and it's this idea of how Star Trek like you're saying can turn on a dime where you just kind of have a Ferengi episode followed by in the pale moonlight or you know you know, and you just go like, oh, you can do this. And that this is the incredible wrong. We literally had a comedy episode where Spock turns into a human. We had a loss in translation one, which was all about sort of like, you know, mental illness and people believing you effectively. And then we had a comedy episode that was like a lower decks crossover with the Orions. And now we've got one about war and PTSD, which is on par with what's it called? Rom's episode where he uh, is recovering in the holodeck. Oh, no. 
Nog, sorry, yeah. Uh, Nog, we're coming. It's only a paper moon. Yeah, yeah. But all these things where you just go, how it can take serious subject matter and then dress it up in sci-fi, but then very much go, this is a thing. Like, this is... You know, and the way everyone... And I think this one probably does it best because of everyone's reactions. Like, you know, and how you see everyone reacting differently where Umbenga's getting better at dealing with it and hiding it but still has to take moments. Ortegas is very verbal and very, I'm not happy about this whatsoever, and failing to hide it. And then, you know, and, and seeing Umbenga's character development, we're not really, we get to see more of his character where it's the fact that he's the one who is suffering most, but he's the one staying strong for other people, where he's the one saying to Ortegas, hey, just, you know, like, ride it out kind of thing, it's going to be okay. Whereas we know exactly how he's feeling at the same time. And it's that's that's a lot of character. Can I ask you a question, Sean? The scene where um, the confrontation happens with Umbenga and I, 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 Klingon, I, I, his name's eluding me. Dave. Uh, Dakar. 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 The blurring, the shot behind the frosted glass... I okay, so I I'm gonna I'm gonna do my rant, and also I see in the conversations I've had, I I think I'm an outlier in this one. Hmm. So for me, the way the episode is set up, the way uh, Bob Solomon, by the way, is just stellar in this episode. Like, of course, he didn't just whip out the dach tag and just stab him. Hmm. He was rushed by Dakar. Um, Dakar ended up on the wrong on the wrong end of a Dachtag knife. Mm. For me, that's there's no question of that. Mm. There is no question that Mbenga lost control. Mm. Putting that frosted glass there seems. To, I mean, it is. It is a deliberate act on the part of the you know writer, director, etc. Sort to go. Let's add a bit of uncertainty to this. There is no uncertainty to no. this. Mm. And not because... And I'm not just like, you know, well, I've decided that this and it must be this. It's because that it would... If it was something that if Mbenga lost control for a moment, for me, it undoes so much of his character development. Um, a, a slight... This is going to sound like a left turn. Slight spoiler for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness for a moment. Mm. If anyone hasn't seen it, spoiler... <laughs> What have you been doing? There was a pandemic. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it completely undone so much of Scarlet Witch's character development because they needed a villain for the film. Mm. Right? And then everything that we'd seen her go through was just like, I just got relegated down to, I am mother, I will not think of anything and any other possible thing. It was like, and all of the parodies have gone like, well, yeah, she two seconds of thought and we've just fixed this for you mm. so what I don't want we, we have seen in Mbenga's character that he has done things you know with keeping his daughter in the transporter buffer he's done things that you know it's like mm. alright I have to question the logic you know and the logic of keeping it secret mm. um, things like that but there is no secret now what it does the, the, the good the good that comes out of having that frosted glass there mm. Um, but again, I, I could, I think, could be achieved another way is to have that, which I think is a crucial exchange between Mbenga and Pike at the end of the episode, in which Pike 
asks the question, and Venga says, I didn't start the fight, which mm. we all know. Um, and also, and again, and actually, if someone were to go like, uh, he didn't start it, but in the course of it, he pulled out the knife and stabbed him. I, For me, I suppose, yes, there is no question that Mbenga's hand was on the hilt of that knife. Yeah. But he was not, he wasn't pushing the knife forward, put it that way. Mm. But that crucial change where Mbenga says, that's the difference between you and me, Chris. You still get to see the best in people. Mm. And I think that is, that for me is up there with that lo- the line that led to the creation of Section 31, which is Cisco in the Mackey Part 2 going, it's easy to be a saint in paradise. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to stand on the surface of Earth and say, everything's rosy, <laughs> everything's wonderful, it's brilliant, you know? Um, makes me think of shows like Firefly, set on the frontier. Uh, it mm. was described as, these are the planets the Enterprise would have walked right past. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And when you have something like that, like, I think this is this... So, in that, those old scientists, fantastic, brilliant, we're going to be enjoying that for years to come. This is the one we'll be talking, talking about. about. Yeah. With it, I mean, like, I, I don't know if I agree in a lot of cases, because the way I interpreted it is I could, I could I'd be quite happy if Umbenga did do it deliberately like you know because the fact is Umbenga's not a saint like and it's the fact of we are working in shades of grey for a lot of things and his history is this and his character his you know obviously he has come a long way from being essentially an assassin to now you know he, he's gone from being a killer to basically being a doctor and helping everyone but it's the fact of it's still potentially in his nature and it's the fact of people have relapses. You know, like alcoholics will go on a binge, you know, like sort of people will go back and do terrible things that they thought they were over. And it's the, the idea, I like that Umbenga is unrelenting at the end with the basically, yes, but I, you know, like I didn't start it, but I finished it. You know, that kind of attitude. And, and I don't know, I don't know if it takes away from Umbenga because the fact is, he's still a killer like you know like however we frame it it's the fact that if we say he's a nice guy now it's still the fact of he has done terrible things in the past but it's he's learned from it the same way that we have with cisco where we just go hey the dominion wars ended but he did terrible things in order to like help resolve it so but i i think it is and i think what probably happened was an accident but it wouldn't i don't think for me it would take anything away from mbenga as a character if he had, I've actually just gone, hey, while no one's around, or at least so I think, let's just sort out this thing. Because the fact is, the guy is a liar. The guy has literally turned his cowardice round. He's a fraud. In, yeah, he's a fraud. He's lying to everyone yeah. kind of thing. And yes, it's beneficial on the surface to the like uh, thing. It's the fact of having this guy who has had no redemption, yeah, no change of mind. It's like a change of mind base. It's like... Nazis after the the war. It's like the idea of going, oh, cool, because we're useful, we've been spared, but do I actually regret what I did? Maybe not. You know, and it's that whole thing. It's the... Yeah, it's shades of grey, I think. But, yeah, anyway. But but it's a phenomenal episode, and the tension between all the characters and seeing the crew help each other out is phenomenal. Like, you know, the, the dinner party scene where it's literally just... You know where you can see you Ortega's being there. Yeah, yeah, and you just like it's it's just a TV show. It's just a TV show, and yet it has like feeling like that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we. It is. It's yeah. Of course, I'm sorry. I was just I was basically just yeah uh, just agreeing there at the end. Like there's there's so much that comes together, and 
the the thing that's set up with Ortegas in like the the fourth episode, you know, Spock just learned to leave people alone. Yeah. And then of course, which of course sets up Chapel going, Spock, will you do, will you just give me a few minutes? Mm. Um, and like those are small moments, and I I find small moments really 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 that they help yeah. character development as much as these massive like nog losing his leg in the siege of ar 558 was massive for his character development mm. so too was him asking cisco to sponsor him for the academy yeah do you, do you know what i mean yeah, things yeah. like yeah. that and and essentially they're just single scenes like the actual where nog gets injured is just one scene and obviously he's like in you know, on a bed with Quark for like the rest of the day, but um, for the rest of the battle. But then, like you know, the him getting into Starfleet and sort of coming with his like gold to Cisco and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, that, it's it's exactly that, and it's like that's what's so amazing about Trek. I mean, I loved in this episode what you were saying there, Sean, about um the interaction between like because Spock doesn't get emotions. Spock is literally acting like I did as a teenager, where when I had a crush on someone, I would be suffocating to them. I would be absolutely sort of, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't leave them alone and I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand why they didn't like want to be that involved back kind of thing. And it's, that's exactly what he's doing here. He is not used to emotion with Chapel and he's suffocating her and he's wondering why he can't be involved in every, facet of her life and she's like I need time and maybe I'm not the person to be helping you through this discovery because let's let's be honest they, they are roughly the same age shall we say 30 33 mm. Spock though is emotionally underdeveloped and mm. immature yeah, yeah. so and he feels emotions much stronger stronger so he cannot he, he he's not doing it deliberately he just he is essentially yeah. like you said he is a teenager he is going through this so he just decides to oh i'm on you want time but time away from me so he storms off yeah he makes it about himself yeah you know and uh it, it, it just the 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 one line i love again from chapel is why is it so hard to explain to people who weren't there yeah yeah and it, it, it just resonates so much and the way that again Jess Bush the way she portrays someone who is a veteran who has PTSD just the way she holds the glass like yeah. she is about to shatter that in her hand yeah yeah it's the body it's not just about what you say it's the body language you portray and I think her it, 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 she's, talking she's about this makes me want to watch the whole series again yeah it's, well, <laughs> again though Strange New Worlds turned on a dime <laughs> for the next episode because we have the greatest risk that Star Trek has ever done and pulled off sublimely Subspace yep. Rhapsody. Yeah, uh, I... Uh, like, Subspace Rhapsody, uh, I'll be honest, this is one that, to discuss it properly, you've got to get... You know, we've got to get into it, go through every single song, go yeah. through every single thing. We don't have time. It <laughs> succeeded. Yeah, it did. It succeeded. It, it, I agree with you. It took a massive swing. Um, this could have... This could have lost viewers. This could have been like, yeah. right, yeah. you know, that, that, that phrase that we've been hearing since 2017, is this what Star Trek has become? This is what we're... 
you know, like in theory, I could possibly see a bit of legitimacy to that question. It's like, well, but then at the, on the flip side of that, I love, absolutely love, love, love the, uh, someone made the ar uh, argument, oh my God, they're running out of ideas already. It's been 57 years, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they never did a musical before. You know, they have musical scenes, but they never yeah. did a musical before. I think we could give them that one. And for um, sure, for I, sure. I, yeah, I think, I think it flipping worked. But yeah. for a show called Strange New World, <laughs> to not boldly go to a strange new world would be a bit of an oxymoron. They yeah. took a massive, massive risk. But the songs were brilliant, the, 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 the episode, the story was brilliant, the way they justified it, where it's like, oh, this is, this is a subspace rift which is interacting with the universe where everything is done in a musical and musicals, you know, songs are provoked <laughs> by strong emotions. You get Bruce, goddamn Horrock, as a Klingon. <laughs> you get the Batleth boys. You get, you, you, you get um, Spock with that really sexy singing voice. <laughs> Ethan Peck, man. How you, you said again? this, you the, the um, Ethan Peck. Yeah. This news really changes, changes everything. everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, such a beautiful baritone, yes. But I said to you in our one of our live in-person episodes, how can he get his voice that low? And you're just like, this is normal for yeah. me. And I'm like, how? Well, it's a baritone. He's the, grandson, have a face. Of, he's the grandson of Gregory Peck. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. Gregory Peck. Peck. I'm just a ruined child from the northeast of England, and I'm just like, but, but as low as I can go. And it's just like, I can't <laughs> sing that. And it's, it's beautiful, but every song for every character. Wait, I, I think it's this idea of, like, you know, you could have a musical episode and fuck it up. The, the important thing, what Buffy did, what, what Buffy the Vampire Slayer did with its musical episode is pointed out that musicals are the perfect way to do exposition. Like, this yeah. idea of how you go from Lan being Lan uh, to talking about her actual feelings using the musical episode as a as a bat, uh, a bridge to that yeah. is amazing like cuz she would never there, there was no way that a writer could have built up a scene where lan says what she does in her song to another character you know and yet the musical allows her to express it and allows her, us to feel that and allows her to kind of have interaction with Una about it and whatnot, and, and see her reaction to other things. And it's this idea of like the exposition we get in this episode is phenomenal, even like more, probably more than the rest of the like series put together, because we have like, you know, and, and like I was saying about Jess Bush, Bush's song, um, I'm Ready. Yeah. Uh, you know, not the best singer of the show, but she make she has a good go of it. But it's the idea of the the joy of what she doesn't say in that song. Like it literally, she's having this breakup with uh, Spock. She, you know, he's absolutely sort of forlorn for her and stuff. She does a whole song, doesn't mention him. And, you know, like it's it's all about, oh, I've got this opportunity, I'm going to go for it. And then at the end, there's a bit of a line of just being like, oh, well, goodbye, everyone. You know, and, and it's that idea of how clever it is doing that. Like, But to play to each actor's strength mm. as, you know, Pike... And some mountains from Tennessee, so there's a bit of a sort of drawl <laughs> to that. Christine Chong, who is a fantastic singer, gets the standout performance. You've got I, Ethan Peck, who's know? about because well, keep us together, keep us connected. It's well, I, I think Lan's song probably is yeah. like this. The, wait, there can be multiple singles, multiple, but multiple singles. Yeah. The, I mean, we have to the Batleth Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've 
I have I have watched Star Trek since I was two years old. Right, one of my very first memories, literally one of my very first memories, mm. is the original series. Yeah. I used to call it Star Twix. That's how young I used to be. Star Twix. Mm. Never, ever have I been sat and I, and I mean I'm just sat and I'm watching it like this. You know, I'm enjoying it, and then for me to just go. And to be gobsmacked just for that, I, those I, five seconds or ten seconds and go, that is something I did not expect. I, wait, wait, this is the thing, though. People, like, the, some people have complained that they're just like, whoa, if it's Klingons, why wasn't it Klingon opera? And I'm like, because that's comedy. Like, the whole thing of playing with, yeah, yeah. playing with expectation yeah. and just being like... It's subverting that expectation where you're like, oh, Klingons, oh, they only like uh, Klingon opera and they only like things about blood and death. And it's like, well, no, hang on a minute, <laughs> right? Much like you see with, you know, the, the old cliche of the the muscly, manly biker with a Harley Davidson yeah, listening yeah. to Justin Bieber. What what is preventing a Klingon from going, I actually like the Backstreet Boys. I actually like S Club I, 7. I, I, I think I think it's this idea. It's a perfect punchy gag, it and is. the fact that everyone reacts to it the certain way because it, you know it's like you said, it's playing with expectation. It's just it's the brilliant. execution all the way through is, is absolutely mm. brilliant, and just yes. seeing three D sevens spinning <laughs> and the Enterprise spinning, and it's all building to this crescendo. But I, th I think what I love the most, and this is going to be a great segue. Because I am conscious of time. Oh, I, I, I want to say another thing about this episode first, though. But go on. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to point out, like, how much I loved a little thing, which is that it doesn't get too dramatic. Like the whole point is that you know, in in Buffy and in like other musical the episodes, bunnies. Oh, well, yeah, they had the bunny reference, you know, like nod to Buffy. But it basically had, um, you know, like in other musical episodes and in musicals themselves everything goes too big like there's big explosions there's whole fireworks they go outside and there's a whole fireworks display happening and it's all these events that would never actually normally happen and then this episode grounds them so literally it has someone's entire singing number and they're just walking down a corridor or they're just walking around their room or you know and obviously in Lan's song she's like memor you know uh, reminiscing about sort of like being in the past and whatnot but then, and then, and then, like in Una's song, which is probably my favourite, because I, I I've been singing it nonstop, basically, yeah, keeping secrets, um, where she uses the anti-grav to make it slightly more dramatic. But effectively, people are just standing around, and I kind of love that. It's kind of like going, "Hey, we're keeping it Trek. We're keeping it down to earth." Pardon the pun. But, you know, but it's still a musical. I love that. Like, rather than everyone just suddenly sort of dance, you know. And then the final number at the end, where they kind of have close to kind of dancing. But, you know, but that's because they're deliberately trying to make it ludicrous, because the plot demands that they have a big... It's very cleverly done. But the little bit of foreshadowing mm. at the end with Bartel and, and Pike. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I, I love this one. It's like, you know, kind of like... We should go on holiday. But honey, I'm going off to war tomorrow yeah. and here's a picture of my sweetheart back home and we bought a boat called the Live Forever and I'm two days left to retirement. Oh, I, I, I think I see what you're throwing down here. Yeah. Um, very but, very uh, McBain Mendoza. Yeah. You know, Pikes because it's Mendoza! Uh, it, it, but also the, the great segue into the, 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 the season two finale, Hegemony, where the very one of the very first scenes is... You know, 
is it is it she he's speaking oh he's speaking to Bartel who's on uh, the the colony mm. and she's going how's it going and he's like oh well I haven't broke into a tune in ten minutes and I, I, I love I the like fact that, that they, they carry don't ignore it, it. They no don't they don't ignore the musical episode they carry it on yeah they don't just do like with every like supernatural and Buffy and stuff where it's just going yep that happened moving on never going to yeah, say yeah. it again and it's like nope this happened we are going to mention it and we'll probably likely mention it later on in the series as well. Well, I, I, I like that, like, the problem now for Strange New Worlds is, like, how do we have another musical episode? Or how do we bring <laughs> Boimler back again? Yeah. You know, and it's this whole thing of going, oh, shit. But then they'll find a reason. Like, like the, 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 this episode, like, fucking um, the, the plot, the, the reason why there's a musical episode is utter nonsense like the whole it's a world where anything's possible and it's the unlikeliness that blows it up and you're just like going I don't care I don't care I'm this happy is Star that we have a musical episode well this is Star Trek at its very best and yeah. again with, with the finale y- you go from a musical episode <laughs> to the just darkest reaches of Star How Trek where blood? Well, a lot of blood. well, I mean, you know, they had to make use of the lot in Toronto where it's like, it's 50, it's yeah. quintessential I was America. fully expecting Tom Paris to appear being like, look, it's Americana, I have something to do here. Welcome to um, Fairhaven. <laughs> and it's just... And it, but it, it's... it's to, to go from that to that, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to jump to the end here. This was the first time I have yelled, what the... <laughs> loudly in my house so my neighbours could hear me when I saw To Be Continued but great cliffhanger because we don't know when it's yeah. going to come back dot 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 That's dot true. dot dot I, but, I think we would be we, we would be lucky to see anything by probably the back end of 2024 yeah, I mm. would say so I would absolutely say and so I'm trying not to be you know I'm trying not to be a doom and gloom or anything there but just like let's say as of, as of recording, let's say, you know, the strike ends today, you know, let's give people the weekend and, <laughs> you know, they get back to work. Just there will be scrambling everything. Do you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> they'll be because, getting you know, paid you know, more for it, though. Well, yeah, they'll be oh, paid well, you more. Hope yeah. so. <laughs> certainly hope so. Yeah. And if they need uh, crew, you know, <laughs> I'm available. But it's, it, yeah, because the, the whole, again, with the gone, like, the gone has been foreshadowed all the way through, and then to explore with Lant, you know, when it's how down, you do a villain. It's how you do a villain, and it's very like these are not the atypical gone, but it's the way that the gone say nothing, mm. like the the bit where they warp in, like they blew up the Cayuga, they warp yeah. in, and then they don't say anything. They just send a picture with a fucking line through it, and just say, "This is ours yeah. now." And it's like, anything on this side of the line is ours, you fucking stay there. And the fact that Starfleet just accept it. Just go, okay, cool, you have all those planets. (laughs) But they've been that ravaged with war. You know, they've they've had the Klingon war, the fleet's probably been completely decimated, they're in the process of updating, they're like, we cannot, well, not afford, but we cannot, we cannot have another war. We do not have the facility to do that, and we will lose, so we have to capitulate to this enemy so if we lose a planet for the sake of the entire federation so be it again the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and but pike being pike is like typical kirk the word is no therefore i am going anywhere well i i think the thing is it's it was great to see a lot of weakness from pike in this because he's been so strong for the entire series you know he like kicking ass in ad aspera and you know just like 
you know, we've seen him as such a strong character, and this is the one where he does the Kirk, where he throws the rules out the window out for personal reasons. And it, I, I like it, you know, because you just go, yeah, you're human at the end of the day. Like, and, it, and it's this idea. And But I love the Gorn. I genuinely find, I love that they've taken a character, a race that existed, made it terrifying, and they kind of remind me of like the Metroid games or whatever, where yes. you never saw, where you basically never saw the final thing until a lot later. Uh, but with the Gorn, where all we saw in series one was like little baby ones kind of thing, and they were still a threat. And then in this one, we finally actually see what a grown-up Gorn looks like, and we're like, oh wow, okay, they wear armor and they wear spacesuits and they can operate stuff. Because obviously, all we saw previously was it could pick a rock up. That's pretty impressive. Or an Enterprise, you know? <laughs> or an enterprise when it's talking, it... Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, but graph plating thud. So it's, it's yeah, it's a great... I don't want to say reimagining. Um, I think it is, though. Update. I, I think it... Uh, yeah. It, I, 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 they've I'd made them terrifying, where this was like a comic relief species from the original series, yeah. where it's just like, it's a guy in a zip-up rubber suit and yeah. the you know they then made him blink but he's like fucking sly from thundercats or something where you're just like you're you were never like threatening at yeah. all and you're meant to be a but villain. these have made them genuinely terrifying yeah. where they're just like oh they will just straight up eat you yeah. and impregnate you with eggs <laughs> i've had worse nights but it's the idea <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the whole point, not with a gone, Christ, you buy me a drink first. Gone home. Um, <laughs> gone home. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, um, but, but that, that's exactly it though. I, I love the gone though where it's like, I genuinely just like, nah, nah, kill them all. Like, and the fact of that's what everyone's response is. Like, it's literally the idea of let's not try and reason with these people like Starfleet ones. Let's just actually kill them. And I like the idea of there being a villain in Trek that gives that reaction because it's not the right reaction but it's this idea of you from know, Sam Kirk as well who's yeah, a xenobiologist xenoanthropologist he gets words in this one it's he great. does get words um, he's got a fantastic <laughs> moustache but he does get words yeah he does he is yeah, way he definitely like does. I, I just want to say I fully appreciate the lingering shot we have of Sam Kirk's rear in this episode that is that is just fan service but <laughs> I, I, I just loved as well uh, Sam Kirk in uh, singing along with Chapel in I'm Ready, I just yeah. get fierce bisexual energy from yeah. Sam Kirk and from Christine Chapel. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. And I absolutely love it. Like, it's. What are your thoughts on Martin Quinn, an actual Scottish person playing <laughs> Scotty? Love it. Mm. I love it. Absolutely. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah. Because, you know, he is both kind of upbeat and light and yet I don't get the feeling of him making light of the situation they find themselves in yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, oh we were mentioning earlier uh, about you know oh does this put a target on Pelia's head yeah. no not necessarily I, I, in fact because we don't know how long Scotty serves under Pike before mm. he becomes chief engineer we do mm. know that he's supposed to serve for a while because expanded media tells us that um, you know he's fiercely loyal to Pike so when yeah. Kirk takes over, there is a bit of back and forth and there is a bit of bump and foreheads. Um, so I, I would love to see them as a bit of a double team yeah. for season three. That's what I, um, that's what I want. Yeah. And I even if then that does lead to him eventually taking over for Pelia, that's what 
but don't kill it. There is no death scene mm. worthy of a lanthanite. No. I, re- yeah. I really don't. You can't take someone who's thousands of years old and have the, sorry, Hammer, have them pull a Hammer. I, I would love Wait, to. Uh, Hammer was very underused. I, I was very, that was another thing. Like a Menga, I was really upset that Hammer didn't get more. He time. was, he was, he was. Very, but again, this is, this is, you know, writers can't foresee yeah. the love of a character yeah. will, that will, you know, will be small. So don't kill it's, them off in the first season. But <laughs> I would love to. Again, going back to season three of Picard, where it's a happy ending. No one has to die. I would love to see Pelia move on and mm. then. Yeah, fingers, she's just going to get bored. But, she's but, literally yeah. just going to be like, oh, engineering's but, boring, but I'm going to do this crossed, now. Fingers crossed, if there is Star Trek Legacy or whatever it's going to get called, we just see her. <laughs> I'll do, do you one more. I would love her, love her to be an instructor in Starfleet Academy in the 32nd century. <gasps> yeah. What's a thousand years to a lifetime? Yeah. That would and be then brilliant. she becomes your point of view character. I remember a time when yeah and we talk about pike and we and absolutely that would be brilliant rocks up in some episodes of if we do get a legacy or yeah i remember the dominion war you know all, all yeah. of this because she's already she's several times said oh you know sure i was around when xyz was happening in established mm. history yeah. uh i i think that'd be lovely obviously then it would be right we've got to make it as appealing for carol kane as possible yeah um you know but I would love, love something like that because I think that is the promise of characters like um, Lanthanides, like Guinan, that I think we've yet to really kind of yeah. follow through on. Well, we've seen like what, 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 what's uh, is it? Aurorians that are Aurorians. Like we've seen three of them ever, and we haven't really yeah. had a proper like in-depth payoff with them. Like Picard season two tried it, but who, who remembers Picard season two? Which is such a shame because yeah. yes. um, Whoopi Goldberg and Ito Wagaira yeah. was I the, the only thing I thought was a mistake is don't try and explain it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, we we age if we choose to. Yeah. Come on, everyone who's here watching this, we don't care. Yeah. The audience yeah. is Actually, smart I enough. Said, yeah. yeah. Do you know Why what? is I Data fat that, now? I say that I ha- I I had to groan when Tuvok appeared in season three of Picard and you had people going, why does he look so old? Because it's 20 years ago <laughs> yeah. and Tim Russ has aged. Yeah. It's, it's, it's do, do, do you want more X-Men 3 de-aging? Is that what they want? No. No, 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 no. no, no do you no, want no. that? Because that's how you get X-Men 3 de-aging. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. But to leave, to leave season two on a cliffhanger with the gone creeping in, Pike being, you know, Pike undecisive about what the mm. next step is to leave it on a cliffhanger brilliant it's brilliant but it's it's yeah. also it's it's brilliant if the, there was no strike and we we knew yeah. this time next year yeah. it's torturous because we don't know we yeah. don't know when it's going to happen we don't know when and it's it, but yeah. this whole season is a testament to the writers and the actors on just how brilliant when you know Star Trek, when you are a fan of Star Trek, and when you respect Star Trek, mm. what you can do. Yeah. And I, I absolutely, I think we have been spoiled this year with such high tri- dilithium, <laughs> latinum. You mean ger- geranium? Geranium? Geranium. Geranium. The plant. 
Geranium up. The, um, <laughs> but, but such high-caliber Star Trek, which we haven't had for, for decades, and we've had Picard, and we've had Strange New Worlds, and yeah. we'll get Lower Decks. Lower Decks is Lower yeah. Decks. We have been spoiled, and to, for Star Trek to find its stride and now just be put on pause, hmm. it's sad, but it just it's... further cements how much these people need to be treated fairly, paid fairly, mm. and, and just be rewarded for this. Yeah. Because you don't want AI stories because they're never going to be. But, but that's the thing. This is a testament to this is why you need good writers and you're going to lose them if you don't pay them. Mm. You know? It, it, yeah. It, it is as, it's as simple as that. If you want skilled labour, pay for it. Yeah. Yes. It's as simple as that. And, mm. and again, just so I really, really clear, that is not in any way a dig at unskilled labour. That's it's not that. It's that it's treating everything with the same brush. Yes. yes. And you're only setting yourself up for future. Like this is now, I believe, we've it's the third longest uh, yes. writer strike in the history of Hollywood. Yes. Um, and now, and even that might have been a couple of days old information that I, that I thought yeah. we could have edged. Um, That's crazy. Look, I am I am optimistic. I'm optimistic for for quite like maybe ruthless reasons. Is that they're going to run out of content? Yep. Yeah. You know, someone's got to give. It's it's as simple as that. I, I I I hope that from yeah. I hope it will be you know mutually beneficial for everyone. I don't see the Christmas party being particularly fun this year uh, <laughs> at wow. Paramount or. You know, all of obviously Paramount. This is going to be uh, Kim Kardashian on her own, I think. No, Bob Beltran's going to be there. Mm. Anywho, um, <clears throat> but um, but what what I wanted to say is like uh, this is extra difficult for me because I missed uh, season one of Strange New Worlds, and then basically after I was incredibly busy with drag gigs and stuff, I basically binged it before we started watching season two before that started coming out. So I binged it over the course of two days. And so it just means that my life for a very, like, about a sort of 12-week period was Strange New Worlds. And just being like, I don't, I, oh, there's not going to be another episode. That realisation we had after uh, Hegemony and just being like, oh, well, there's not going to be any more Lan or any more Umbenga yeah. or any more, like, Spock. And for, 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 like, two years. And, and it really, you know, it really hit me of just being like, oh, no, man, <laughs> you know. It but is, then that's why we rewatch Trek. That's why we go back and we go, it. time to start TNG again. You know? the, the beauty yeah, about Star Trek is you can watch all 880 episodes and by the time you mm. finish, you would have forgotten what happened in the earlier episodes. Do you think Captain's Holiday made me want to start TNG again? Of course. And I've just finished DS9 and, again. <laughs> and what would be really, really nice is if one day you could do it all on one streaming platform. Ah, that's the dream, isn't it? Oh, wouldn't it be lovely? Who, who'd yeah. have thought that the company that owns and runs it would not have all of it? Hashtag oh. say Star Trek Prodigy. I'm really annoyed because I still did. I didn't get around to watching it. I didn't get around to watching it. Now I'm like, oh well, I guess I have to break the law to watch it's this show so and appreciate good. it. It is well, so well, good. Well, even do you know, do you know what I will say? And it's funny because I've been making this point all week. I I do not get a cut of what I'm about to say. Mm. I'm I'm advising everyone order. The Blu-ray, and the reason I'm saying that it's not because it's not. Oh, I'll make sure you put money in the pockets. <laughs> it's that at the end of the day, money talks. Yeah. And if there if there is money coming in over, you know, Star Trek Prodigy, it's Paramount's written it off. 
but what they haven't done, they haven't killed it. Yeah. So if they see that there's sales, that's what's gonna, you know, get other mm. streaming services interested in the product. Now, um, it's funny as well because we got, but well, because we've been talking about Strange New Worlds, we haven't mentioned it, but we just have to say, did you just follow the story of the sky banner? Yes. That was flown over, <laughs> over Netflix, Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon yesterday. It was completely crowdfunded. Uh, they hired a plane banner hashtag say starter prodigy coming out the back of it like this it just reminds me going back to the 60s B. Joe and John Trimble the letter writing campaign yeah. uh, happy belated birthday sorry to B. Joe Trimble it was her birthday there last week um, and just like when Trekkies get obsessed about something <laughs> like uniforms like you know where was the Enterprise what year are we talking about their ridges are slightly bigger than their but when Trekkies get an obsession God help whoever standing in our way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We have been going for nearly two and a half hours talking about Strange New Worlds. Shall we wrap this up? I think we need to because I need to sleep. I've got to be up at 5 a.m. <laughs> oh my days. Oh my God. This, guys, this has been our review of season two of Strange New Worlds. I would like to thank Sean. Bless, bless his little cotton socks. For, for sticking around for two and a half hours, listening to two men just rambling inly in the middle of a castle. Rambling inly? Inanely. Oh, okay. okay. Did Is I miss something? Going? Are you all right, love? Well, sorry, Grandad. Are you all right? I, I, I'm all right. We'll, we'll are get, you my daughter? We'll get your own. Right. Get curtains drawn. Oh, all right. right. Okay. I'll put a copper on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sean, have you got anything to promote? I'm assuming you do. <laughs> Um, I, I, I do well okay so are you shaking uh, so, her her so, uh, so uh, <laughs> I, I am absolutely yes I, I, I'm promoting Jamaa Run get your hogan um, out I am promoting Trek Culture Podcast dropping every Tuesday um, we also have the Clone Star Pod and the War Room they drop weekly as well we have uh, ups and downs that will be starting on the 7th of September for Lower Decks Season 4 um it's quite good so far. I'll say nothing more about it. Uh, we also have all of us. We have Star Trek Day coming up on the eighth of September. Uh, I'm gonna be be, be be spoiler sport. I'm expecting zero news because yes. of the current climate. But I hope it'll be. I'd say it'll be good crack anyway. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be an all online based thing. Uh, what else? I've got a couple of books on Amazon. Please check them out um, because they took bloody ages to write, and I hope you enjoy them. Um, and other than that. Yes, are all awesome and support Mr. Gay Europe on uh, socials as well please yeah. thank you guys you can follow Trek Culture the Clone Star Podcast and all of our friends uh, of Trekking Up North what are you doing are you tired okay nuzzles because <laughs> this is the first time they were in the same room together oof I thought I'd invade your personal space. Right down below. Well, you're going to have to do that because right down below this video is it's all the links there. it's a table that's your crotch Zip it up. Oh my! It's like Ken, oh. just blank. Mm. Are you are you Kenuff? <laughs> ah. All the links from all of our friends, including Trek Culture, including the Clone Star Podcast, they are all below. They are fantastic, wonderfully handsome people. I have got a laptop with Mike Overton's Elcas design from the Titan right he here. I have got a phone with it on. I love Mike to bits because he just he creates wonderful things in the computers. The computers. The com he, the is, he is like an Irish Michael Cuda. <laughs> it's wonderful. Mike, 
Um, I will just take the record. Uh, Mike Overton is a lovely Englishman. Is he an Englishman? Yeah. My mistake. He I is indeed so an Englishman. Tired. Yes. Um, he's a, in fact he's the one on Clonstar that isn't Irish. It's myself and Joseph. We're the Irish ones, mm. and, and and Mike's the lovely, wonderful colonizer who's become part of the uh, <laughs> podcast as well. I am so tired. I am just uh, everything's everything's blurring. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much, chat. Everyone who has stuck it out through this, anyone who has watched this whole thing, well done. We have talked a lot of nonsense, and it has been very fun. Thank you so much for being on, Sean, and great seeing you again. We will thank be you here. For having me. Seriously, we will be here next week because me and Science Officer Sonoy's need to sleep. I'll be performing in a field. He'll be lovely. screaming in a, a field. He he will be screaming. Oh, be in screaming. a dress. In a dress. Yeah. A Kate Bush number in oh. a dress. Yeah, it's going to be quite surreal. Would but you, uh, yeah, would... I did like three acts before Pendulum, ah. and I'm just like, this is going to be a very eclectic bill that we have here. Will, <laughs> you know, so will, will you be, it'll be fun. Will you be running up that hill and making a deal with God? You'll have to come along and see. We Ooh. will be at Lindisfarne Festival uh, next. Next Saturday we're on, 4.20 main stage uh, next Saturday, uh, but the festival starts on Thursday night, so you should definitely come along. There are still tickets available, but look online. Mm. Thank you very <laughs> much to my wonderful co-host, Science Officer Sonoise. Thank you very much I to Sean Ferry. been Ferrin. wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sean. Everyone who has watched this, please give Nerdy Up North a like, subscribe, everything is down there. Until we see you again, guys, I want you to... What are you doing? Gay. Are you gay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Until we see you next time, guys, live long and prosper, stay safe, take care of each other. Bye-bye. Miles. Bye-bye. Miles. Miles. Miles.